Serum Visions is a Magic the Gathering podcast about iterative brewing. Each episode, we work on a project, a deck, strategy, or archetype that we think has room for exploration and brew to the fringes of competitive deck building. In this episode, Arun recaps his experiences in Vegas. Although he didn't come home with a trophy, he's still the undisputed champion in our hearts. After that, we'll take a slight vacation from the brews as we talk about how to keep things fresh. Have a sip of your Blink Moth Tonic and open your third eye. This is Serum Visions. Welcome to episode 31 of the Serum Visions podcast, coming to you from an Ixalan beach resort. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Madden. Joining me is the only man to have ever received an honorary doctorate from the Lady of the Lake University, Arun Singh. How are you, Arun? I'm doing very well as always. You know, I'll take any honorary doctorates. The more more letters, more better, uh, as I don't know if anyone said that, but why wouldn't you want to have more letters after your name? Uh, but I'm doing super well. You know, Thanksgiving uh, was a lot of fun. I went to my PhD advisor's place actually because my f- plans kind of fell through last minute and I went and it was just wonderful to see everybody again and you know I had a very I was very lucky to have such a great PhD advisor a lot of people aren't very lucky and you know they have like pretty abusive ones uh, but my advisor she's amazing you know just like treats me like family <coughs> excuse me and so that was you know really wonderful actually and now relaxing a little bit get to this podcast overall life is pretty good I would that's say. awesome that's awesome. I uh, I smoked a turkey for Thanksgiving, and boy, did it get me high. Yeah, I was asked, you're like, I was like, oh, like you smoked like something. Like I did. Did you? I mean, it's pretty pretty traditional for to like be high during the Thanksgiving feast if you're able to. It's pretty classic. <laughs> no, I uh, I smoked a turkey, and it it uh, it turns out it takes way less time than when you smoke beef. Uh, I guess because it's not quite as fatty. Um, that's my hypothesis anyway. And so I was expecting it to take like a long time. It was a 15 pound turkey and I was hoping to eat by three o'clock and my turkey was done by like 1130. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And I overcooked it, but it still tasted pretty good. Nice. There you go. It happens. You know, cooking is hard, just like magic. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have to have a do over on that one next year. Going to have to try again. But it, it had a really great flavor. Nice. There you, you got go. Christmas uh, coming. Got to make mistakes. That's your back-to-back turkey learning. Yeah. So, also joining us is a man who has amassed his wealth through blood, sweat, and toil in the Howling Mine. Zach Ryle. How are you, Zach? I'm good. I've uh, not been taking that many turns recently, so the Howling Mine is fair and balanced, uh, as all things should be, just like your biased news coverage. Yes. I, I'm always shocked when I see people cast that spell, and I'm like, all right, are you just on a really, really bad brew, or are you playing Taking Turns, <laughs> or, like, what's going on here? Yeah, it's gotta, it's gotta be a really bad classic Taking Turns deck. The last time I tried registering that card in Modern, it did not go well. Well, the funny thing is, sometimes they don't even get the turn spells, and so they just give you free cards, and you're like, cool, I don't know what's going on here, but I like it. I actually lost to a mono blue tempo deck at one point that was playing like four of Dictative Crew Fix. Okay. 
It was like it was it was really weird. They they were just like somehow I, I forget what I was playing, but they were just like the the fact that they were overloaded on like snapcasters and counter spells and stuff just kind of worked. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was very good in general. Um, maybe I won that match, but uh, you know, uh, it, it was a thing. It's uh, people are out here in modern. They're doing their stuff. Oh, I can confirm that one. I mean, don't okay. you want to? Don't you want to live the dream though? And you play. You cast Howling Mine and then you tap it with Urza at your opponent and during your end step. Yes. Your opponent never gets it and you do. Yes. Dude, that's uh, an idea somehow I had never thought of. Uh, that's the, yeah, the, I learned it Learned it with Winter Orb. That's the, Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite aspects of early artifacts is that they don't do the thing if they're somehow tapped. So like Trinisphere. If you could tap your Trinisphere, cast all your one drops. Well, so... It used to be all artifacts as a baseline, then they changed the rules on the basic way the game works, but then in Mirrodin, they specifically did some homages. And in fact, I, th I think it was because Winter Orb, they when they changed it that artifacts in general no longer had that ruling, they printed some of them that were being used in a specific competitive way with the text, so they would still work that way. And I think Winter Orb actually went back and forth a couple of different yep, yep. times, which, like, depending on which edition you got, it would, it would say it works while it's tapped or it works while it doesn't. And, like, there were even sometimes newer versions that didn't say it wouldn't work when it was tapped, but it still wouldn't. Like, um, And then, so, you know, Mirrodin, you know, they, they, were, they were still... You know, this is before Time Spiral and before they realized that these, like, crazy nostalgia kicks are often a really bad idea. Um, <laughs> but uh, they, they were still going to do things like, oh, we, we should do an homage to the way these old artifacts work. So let's make some of the random artifacts in Mirrodin not work while they're tapped. Um, nice. Which, I, I, you know what? Like, I think Modern Horizons 2 and Modern Horizons 1 probably have a couple of these where it's like, well, we're going to do an homage to this thing we used to do that is like just kind of bad design, but we used to do it, so let's 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 throw it in here as some nostalgia. <laughs> you mean like Storm? Uh, well, no. <laughs> Storm's broken for an entirely different reason. I, I, I don't know. I like the fact that there is... Um, it's... It's a symmetrical effect that there... If you have a way to break the symmetry... It's like advantageous, right? But how easy is it to otherwise tap an artifact? Usually not that easy. Yeah, it's not not not, easy. not, not super easy. Yeah, it's slightly easier than tapping an enchantment, but uh, or a planeswalker. It but uh, it at least feels better than curse walkers to me, right? Like it's. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. So I I don't know. I would like to see more of that sort of stuff, and maybe more ability to tap them or, or other additional ways to tap them down, so that you can break that symmetry. All Brothers I know War. is like, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Brother, Brothers War and uh, Dominaria United. Before that, we might get some weird stuff. Um, oh, all so I know excited. is that I got the, I got the email that my uh, secret lair drop out of time is uh, has been printed and is going to be on the way. Uh, that's the one with the old frame Teferi, old frame Karn, old frame Dak Faden that are all worded oh, like yes. ABU cards. Oh nice. And I, I am just, you know what? I, I don't like the secret layers as a group um i find a lot of them offensive to my uh, aesthetic sensibility and i don't want them in my game of magic the gathering but they finally made one that was sweet enough that i had to buy it and it was, it was really like specifically something i was asking for is i was like i want some modern and or legacy staples printed in old frame and 
and I d really didn't think they would ever do this, but like printed with some esoteric old text that's like really wacky to read. Because um, people do these kind of alters from time to time, uh, where like, you know, what if they had put Jason ABU? Like, how would that read? And it's like, it enters the battlefield with three counters. This is Jace's loyalty. Jace's loyalty goes up by two, and you do this. Activate one of these abilities per turn. It's like, you know, they have to, like, write it all out because the, the Planeswalker rules are completely hidden. Which is oh, funny yeah. because most most players just learn it, and they don't realize that it's like, yeah, there's no rules on the card yeah. at all. None. Well, and that makes sense. It's, that's, so. that's sort of the sign of the game maturing, right? The the rules move from the card to the, like, comprehensive rules that you need to know. Yeah, sort of, but, like, mo mo at least with most cards, like, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously there's no rules on a creature on, like, how can they attack or block, but they're, like, a completely core part of the game, whereas, like, almost everything else just, like, it does what it tells you it does. It's fun that you found a secret layer that, like, in an, in an aesthetic you like. This you you remind yeah. me that I need to my next modern deck. I need to build out of pure secret layer things just to tilt you and face you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there are some really really cool looking ones like the the Blood Moon that's like um like a I don't know like a, a an astrology chart. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah really yeah. Cool. The the mischief secret layer looks so sick. Yeah. Like, I hate that that is a, a, a legal Magic the Gathering card, but, like, you know, in the abstract, it's a really wonderful piece of art to represent Blood Moon. Like, it's cool. Um, and, uh, anyway, so, I'm, I, I'm glad that I finally got mine so that I feel slightly less bitter about the people Woo! getting theirs. <laughs> yeah, I, Exciting. I think the last, I, I actually bought a set of the, uh, the one for the kids charity i forget what the the title of the secret layer is but it's the one where they had kids do crater hoof yep, and yep. Drifter. oh those were sweet yeah yeah mold drift the mold drifter is amazing uh, they're all i'm so so pleased with them and metalwork colossus the how could you not get a scribble metalwork colossus it's so good yeah for real you're one of the only people who plays that card uh that and, <laughs> but not uh, the only one yeah bob not the only Discord. one um PTQ winner Bob Forty Nine, who occasionally hangs out in our Discord, the founder of the Div Visit Discord and Belcher aficionado, I believe. In between the last episode we recorded and this one, uh, they, they won their P PTQ. I believe it was I think so. uh, on Belcher, and, and yep, yep. he has messed around with a Metalwork Colossus deck that apparently has a sixty-six percent win rate. It looks uh, in the hands of too. Bob. Yeah, he yeah. must be. A, I mean, it's obvious he's. Uh, yeah, you don't win a PTQ unless you're a good player. But uh, man, his yeah. he's on fire with Belcher too. I I don't know, uh, Jiggy. You were talking about some of the lines you were watching him take, or I, I think it was you who were talking about it. How he like set up this sick recross where he expected the first two cards off the top of his deck to be milled or something, and knew that you know the third card was going to be the exact right hate he needed, and then just like everything played out exactly how he had yep. set it up with the recross. And uh, yeah, yeah, it it's not just all these little lines you can. I was I was very impressed. It's like damn, it's one of those decks I've wanted to pick up, but I'm too afraid. I like I just know that the the learning curve is like is gonna be really high, and I'm gonna yeah. go o four in my first five leagues with it, and then just be like, all right, I need to take a break. I mean, you might you might go like two three. Like, I mean, there's some free wins, you know. Like it wins on turn two, just like ten percent of the time, which is pretty respectable, honestly. Yeah, that's a lot higher. Yeah, than I expected. mean. It, it has the same downside Hammer Time has of, you know, some of the wins are just so free that people assume that the deck is not uh, that interesting. And the truth of the matter is, like, that like 
the just because your deck has ability to get like cheesy free wins like that it does not mean that in a majority of games uh, in order to win you're not going to have to you know show some supreme pilot skill and the, the perfect example of that is recross the paths i mean if if you think doomsday pilots want to go deep on that card uh this is stacking your entire library not five cards uh and uh the the, the game is not as likely to end soon uh, as it is with Doomsday, where, you know, one way or the other, someone's going to be, this game's going to be over soon. Uh, whereas Recross, it could go again, you know? Mm-hmm. One of these days. One of these days, I'll yeah. fire it well, up. I'll, I'll take it to the 04. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think, Let us know how it I goes. Think, I think with that deck, it'd be a lot, like, you should spend a lot more time reading the theory than actually doing the games, because, like, you know, it's going to be pretty rote. Once, once you actually get into the situations. Just because yeah. it is so much a, a deck that's actually proactively, linearly trying to win. Yeah. Yeah, you probably... Sense. Someone might even have a recross the paths, you know, like guide or something. Probably just keep oh, they, that open they, while you do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% sure. I think there's a Belcher Discord, and I'm sure there's a ton of information on there. I know um, when Bob49 ran into Aspiring Spike on stream at one point, um, Spike was on the Oswald deck yeah, that yeah, has, this is... like four or five different ways that it can have hate pieces in play. So you had like a thorn of amethyst and like a pithing needle and, and, and Bob's response to this uh, when he's, when he cast recross the paths was hold on, I need to get my whiteboard. And then like a couple <laughs> minutes later, he came back, uh, stacked his deck and then ended up winning. That's it's like, yeah. Yeah, Oh my God. It was sick, dude. I mean, recross yeah. is just yeah. a, a cool card in general, and for it to actually find a home, I, I don't know. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, this is this is what I love about modern. This is what I love about magic. I, I love these like esoteric cards that you know. How long did this just sit as draft chaff, and that's all it ever was? And then right here right. it comes. MDFCs got printed. Yep. And changed everything. Fire Nation attack. Exactly. <laughs> um, speaking of the Fire Nation attack. Uh, we, we've got a crazy amount of stuff to talk about the descending of players into Las Vegas, but before we do, uh, we've got a very special public health update from uh, Dr. Doctor Combo here. Uh, yes, yes. So I try and, you know, stay pretty updated with the whole COVID stuff just because it's very significant. You know, I like to, I think I have a good background for it too, so I can understand things pretty well, pretty easily. At least I like to think so. Famous last words. Uh, but I just want to talk <laughs> briefly about, uh, you know, big buzz. There's uh, the Omicron, a new Om variant of COVID called Omicron, uh, which now you'll probably see a lot. I think I saw, you know, just it was discovered pretty recently. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, say some things real quick. Uh, I got to dispel some myths and remind everyone, don't panic yet. You know, panic later, but don't panic now. Uh, so Omicron was discovered in South Africa, but like I need to really emphasize this. It is not from South Africa. The reason it was discovered in South Africa is because South Africa has a very strong CDC equivalent and they discovered Omicron because they are the one they are the center that is sequencing more COVID genomes than like any other center in existence right now. So just by sequencing more samples, they will be the first to discover Omicron. So I just need to remind everyone, Omicron is not from South Africa. It was discovered in South Africa. Uh, Omicron has already been found in many different countries, and honestly, it's probably already everywhere to begin with, and, you know, we've still probably picked this up too late. Uh, so, you know, all these travel bans from South Africa, etc., they're pretty stupid ideas, honestly, and, like, they're not going to solve the problem. Uh, you know, it is already has been found in multiple countries in the EU. Uh, so just, you know, first thing, uh, the most important thing to keep in mind, 
is that it is not from South Africa. It was discovered in South Africa. And this, you know, like this distinction is super important. The other thing I need to mention is that the current threat level is unknown. Uh, the reason that everyone is so concerned and the news articles are pretty concerned is because the, uh, after looking at the genetic sequence, it seems that there's a large number of mutations specifically in the spike protein region, uh, which as a reminder, this spike protein region is the uh, region that the vaccines teach your body to recognize. So of all the mutations it can have, any mutations in the spike uh, protein region are more likely to allow it to evade the vaccine. Uh, currently, this is all very new, been very recently discovered. Uh, we don't know how good it is at evading the vaccine. We don't know how dangerous it is. The only way we will learn how dangerous and deadly this actually is, is just by waiting over the next week or two and seeing just, you know, how much the new cases rise and if the, whether or not this starts, whether or not we start discovering more Omicron cases than Delta cases, etc. Uh, so, you know, so I'm personally going to be a little extra cautious these next one or two weeks. I'm not going to panic yet. Uh, you know, we need more data one way or another. Uh, and yeah, you know, no need to panic yet. And keep in mind that we won't really know how scary and dangerous it is until a week or two. So just try not to act like the world's ending and don't panic and try and be as rational as you can. But definitely, you know, take more precautions. You know, be a little extra careful. Maybe wash your hands a little bit more frequently. You know, just better safe than sorry. Good advice. Good. Solid advice. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, th I think all the standbys that we've been living with, you know, wear your mask, get vaccinated. If you're vaccinated and there's local boosters available, get boosted. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, just continue to be cautious. But, but as you said, I don't think there's a, a particular need to panic, you know, uh, unless you're doing something really stupid where, you know, you, well, you're going to do something stupid anyway. So. Yep. Yeah. Well said. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that, by the way. Clarity of information and uh, et cetera as we continue on through this. And, and hopefully, you know, as we were all saying last year, well, hopefully by next year. All right. All right. Fine. We're not there yet. Hopefully by next year. And people will say, well, we might be saying that again next year. That's fine. It's not wrong to have hope. And uh, things are it seems like things are constantly improving. So I mean, not to be a, a doom and gloomer downer, but um, at the very onset of this, I think that the health experts were saying, look, this is probably yeah. not a situation that we will have under control until about 2025. Um, right. And, and I think that we've already exceeded expectations in that regard. You know, they were saying we may not ha have a vaccine until 2025. So the fact that we have mm -hmm. a vaccine now is already way ahead of schedule. But, you know, this is something that is likely going to become endemic. We're going to see it pop up every year. We'll probably see mutations. And as time goes on, we'll continue to get a better grasp and a better handle on it. So, yep. As long as people keep getting their vaccinations, not like the, uh, what is it, mumps or measles or one of those things where it just like came back Ugh. for a while when people stopped getting their vaccinations. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, frequently, so I pick up Charlie from daycare um, in the yeah. evenings and on my way home, there's very often uh, a group of people on a highway overpass with big signs that say you're being lied to, vaccines kill children, that sort of stuff. And nice. it's just absolutely infuriating because it's it's just utter nonsense there's no iota of truth to it and the really disgusting thing is is that this particular organization is actually registered as a nonprofit in the united states so they have tax-exempt status where they have a big website oh, that looks real 
and sounds like it actually provides real medical advice and real medical you know information and it's just bullshit it's straight up bullshit and it really frustrates me that they are given the tax exempt status and the ability to peddle their nonsense to people who may not otherwise understand or or know better Oof. right yeah well speaking of some inflammatory bullshit uh, <laughs> oh we, yeah but uh MTG Vegas uh, just happened the other week. Arun was on site, which was Hell fantastic. Yeah. But before we get there, just a brief aside. Um, I, I mentioned this on the last episode of Faithless Brewing, which I was on, but uh, huge shout-outs to uh, new-ish streamer picking up Big Steam Eyelash TV, who yesterday made a modern top eight Hell yeah. uh, on her signature Hammer Time um, in uh, black-white variation. Lots of people were watching that. Um, as usual, uh, when the streamer makes their first top eight, just like I did, just like so many people did, she uh, immediately lost in the first round, but has a great attitude, wonderful person, and was basically the only live stream footage from um, Channel Fireball Las Vegas, including the entire finals match, uh, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, She's killing that it. That said, yeah, exactly, exactly. The coverage was A+. That said... Uh, for all the armchair judges and 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 Brian, I know you you know these people the 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 sometimes competitive players, but you know angle shooters or whatever nonsense. If you don't understand the policy of Magic the Gathering, please stop freaking out and saying that people are cheating. Yep. Um, please stop telling people that you know missing some triggers is you know scummy. Or things like, if you don't understand what you're talking about, maybe ask the question, you know, if there's something on your mind. But instead of just, like, randomly leveling these accusations of things that you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I watched that stream for a good portion of uh, Friday in particular because I was working and I was able to have it up. And, um, yeah, you know, okay, so some things went down, but, man chat got real 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 <laughs> aggressive on the like cheating calls there was like know, misplay on both sides there and just as a it, reminder it, that's... it is the responsibility of both players to maintain game state and both players to maintain maintain triggers so uh you know it, it's yeah there was no cheating yeah there was just accidents Right, and it's it's totally normal and totally to be expected. Like there are so many missed triggers, so many misunderstandings. So um, just a, a brief aside, you know, the last uh, Comp RL paper event I played in round one of day two, uh, there was a judge call that my judge gave me the wrong ruling. Um, however. They did their due diligence. Uh, they, they don't have to do this, but just so you are aware, uh, they suggested, like, uh, of course, if either player is not satisfied with this, you can appeal and take this to the, the head judge or a, a higher authority. In, in events like Vegas, there will be appeals judges. So these are uh, judges that are, you know, as knowledgeable in theory as the head judge. They have the, the same authority to overrule floor judges, who can be wrong from time to time. Uh, see examples, Spellskite for examples where judges are frequently wrong, or have been. Um, so in this case, it was uh, Teferi Time Raveler bouncing something. I'd removed the thing, and my opponent thought that they should still draw their card. Uh, the judge said, oh, yeah, 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 they'll still draw their card. And I was like, no, I know that's not true. I'm going to appeal that. And uh, it got overturned, as, as it should have been done. Um, but even in that case, you know, as much as you can, uh, you know, it's not 
necessarily wrong to ask the judge to find something in the comprehensive rules that backs up their claim. Um, you know, as long as you do it in a respectful way, it's totally okay. Um, if there are weird niche rules that your your deck happens to exploit all the time, you know, do maybe do some homework and find in the rules where your thing exists so that you can say to the judge, this is where it works in the rules. I, I can tell you the exact number. You can look it up. So there's no uh, there's no question of the matter. So recently there was the abundant growth bug versus spreading seas and blood moon in uh, Magic Online, which most players were assumed was working correctly when it wasn't. Um, and when something works in a way on Magic Online, a lot of people will think that that's how it is supposed to work, uh, even judges. And so that was a situation where we needed to be hyper aware. Now that's been fixed on Magic Online, at least we don't have to worry about it anymore. But anyway, uh, don't be afraid to call judges. And if you don't really know what you're talking about on policy, stop stop saying things are one thing or another. Ask the question. Just ask the question and you'll learn. And then you can spread correct information. Hear, hear. Amen. Yeah. Now that said, we had an absolute wild top eight uh, for, for Channel Fireball Vegas. Uh, Jiggy, uh, you know, Grinding Breach is a fantastic deck, which I managed to 5-0 with this week uh, for the first time ever. I know, I know, and I'm having super fun, super fun time playing it. Um, however, uh, there, there were some crazy spicy artifact decks that made the top eight, uh, specifically Hardened Scales coming out of nowhere. Uh, do you have any particular opinion on that as someone else who's playing, like an artifact-centric Urza Saga deck? Yeah, I mean... I don't know. It's it's definitely a little surprising. I think a lot of it just comes down to matchups. You know, like what they like what they faced. You know, like I can't imagine. I mean, the scales they also have Luris, which is definitely a huge boon. I just got companions were like everywhere here. Uh, in the six matches I played, all six of my opponents had companions. Five had Luris and one had Yorion. So like they were there were companions running around. I mean, the scales deck is neat and interesting. Uh, you know, I think it probably managed to avoid just like the Jund and the Red Black Rock matchups uh, would would be my guess. But I don't actually know because I'd still, you know, like sure they have more resiliency as they've Luris, but you know, they're you can't have an artifact deck have a good matchup against the deck with three main deck Culligan's commands. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I think um, the other thing about scales is that if you're not used to playing against it, it can be really yeah. tough to play against because Ravager just makes combat so difficult. Yeah, it's, yeah, Ravager Ra 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 Yeah, like, I mean, it, they, it, they have a lot of difficult things. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a solid deck. You know, it's a good deck. I think I'm, uh, I haven't play messed with it, but did you play a league with it, Zach? I did. Uh, it was very, very, very difficult to do well uh, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think this is one of those examples of the player who made the top eight was probably a, a, a seasoned hardened skills yep. player and this is one of those times where knowing your deck inside and out is going to give you that competitive advantage um just yeah because you can think through those lines a lot quicker than your opponent can and that's going to put them at a pretty severe disadvantage when it comes to the combat math it, well yep, especially yep. in competitive play where you're expected to keep up a uh, a, a reasonable pace yep. of play and paper like you just don't have time to learn how to do scales math yep exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well you don't that's that's i mean that's, that's yeah, right, yeah. i think it's a good way to say it arun like you, you, at, on the other side of the table when there's unknown in, like uh, hidden information 
and you already have to like have a hard time processing the information you can see like good luck um so that said in terms of uh, other spicy spicy decks that uh you know use hidden information but not as much complicated math uh in fact sultai in fact took uh, a third fourth place which yeah. is pretty pretty wild. I mean, it makes sense. You know, you know, modern in the end, modern is still very random. Modern is still modern, which is thank goodness. You know, like you, think Spike was saying it too. Just like at a in a fourteen hundred person tournament, you know, like if it weren't, you know, because it's modern, like you should expect to have one or two just like nonsense decks get through. You know, like if they didn't, if the top eight was all, you know, just like all these meta decks. Like let's say it was all, you know, like part of the top five, like you know, the elementals, force Orion, etc. Like. If the top eight could have been very predictable, I think a lot of people would be pretty sad with the state of modern, honestly. Yeah. You know, like Agreed. people, you play modern because, you know, like you could run your Celtai Infect deck and you might just make top eight of a 1400 player tournament in two days. You know, like that's, that is, that's what makes modern so enticing is that you can, you have the chance to be that one player who plays your deck that you know well and just through luck and fortune and pairings and everything going right. You top eight this 400-person tournament with Sultai Infect, and that's sick. Can we just take a moment to appreciate that there were 1,400 players in the main event? Yeah. And, and it was capped. And it was capped. It was capped. That's amazing. It, it would have been more if they could have taken more. That's fantastic. I, we have not... I, yeah. I, the last GP I went to, I think there was maybe 400 players, 600 players in the main event. So... Mm -hmm. This yeah the uh, the guys on the dive down we're talking about the last GP they had went to was the last one before COVID and oh, right, it was yeah. only nine hundred players uh, even that nine hundred so, is great so uh, but yeah yeah well yeah I mean nine hundred is great but I'm just saying like you know and obviously Vegas is famous for um, yep, they, yep. they've broken the tournament software a couple times yeah. with Vegas because it's been like four to five thousand players in the main event. So they have to do like crazy workarounds where they like start four sub events and then have them all feed into you know the day two uh, uh, actual event because the software wasn't designed for it at the time. That's... Oh, yeah, it makes I, it, I've... it capped on table numbers. It it couldn't nice. go over. I think I think I want to say it couldn't go over uh, ten twenty four oh, table numbers, that, something like that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, so. makes sense. Yeah, it was. It was huge, and you know, like this is. It was actually the side events were also still really popular, like firing too. They actually, they had to stop firing the side events because they ran out of space in the convention hall. They had to stop for like an hour while they booked more rooms that were like upstairs and other places, and <laughs> wow. then you know, just everything. yeah, it was. I mean, oh my god, there were people want you know, and like everyone there was so happy. Just I didn't even I didn't come across any toxic players. I'm sure you know there were probably more than a handful because you have 1,400 players. Like you're gonna get some toxic players regardless. But you know, I didn't run into any. All my opponents were super nice. You know, everyone was just. You could tell everybody loved the game and wanted to be there, and you know, like loved being there. And it was it was wonderful. That's awesome. Well, it's just. Just people happy to be back shuffling up paper cards. Yep, you know? yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's so, wonderful. So uh, I have uh, I have a question. Did you see any noteworthy Crimson Vow cards? That was the first weekend they were legal. And actually, just in general, I mean, over the past uh, you know week now, has, has anybody seen anything popping up? Anything noteworthy? Uh, I don't think so, actually. I, none, none of them that's just like... I can't name anything off the top of my head. You know, I might have seen a couple here and there as like fillers. But I, you know, I'm pretty happy that the set has really not not much in it for modern. In the um, 
the the Vegas top eight, which really quickly was uh, Rakdos Midrange, Four Color Creativity, <laughs> uh, Jun Midrange, Infect, Scales, Amulet, Amulet, and Four Color Control. Um, Amulet does have a new to toy, uh, but in Vegas, these two players were not playing it. They were playing Karn the Great Creator versions. However, Cultivator Colossus... Uh, oh, yeah. Weighing in at seven oh, yeah. seven mana value, four green, green, green. It's a star, star with power and toughness equal to the number of lands you control, and a very, very crazy enter the battlefield trigger. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you can put a land from your hand onto the battlefield, and then draw a card, and you can repeat this process as many times as you like. Uh, this card has been making waves, uh, specifically in the hands of Amulet Master Jose Monitz. Um, who you know you can you can check their Twitter. I'm not 100 sure what that is, and they've had a lot of really good success with this already. You'll find it in leagues, you'll find it in challenges. I have been absolutely stomped by this card in a couple places. Yep. Uh, things things that I did not realize. Things that I did realize is that when you're when you're comboing through this trigger, uh, all your triggers that you're putting on into play, those will wait until the end of this whole ritual. So if you have Karoo lands, they, they don't bounce each other infinitely to draw your whole deck. But Amulet of Vigor will still trigger on these lands. Um, something that I didn't realize. So I was playing a challenge, and I had positioned the game in a place on turn 4 or 5 where I put Emrakul into play, and I said, well... They can't beat me with Primeval Titan here. And that's okay, because in came the Cultivator Colossus. The first one, yes, the first one drew them like six or seven cards. Yep. All their lands untapped that they put in. Then they played a Dryad and a second one and got like, it was like 18 Valakut triggers Jesus. to kill me. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it's really interesting because, you know, people are thinking, oh, maybe this is for Amulet. And I think I, I heard Airy. Uh, Ari Lax from Dominator's Judgment kind of explained it the best, where the reason that Cultivator Colossus is really good in Amulet is that at the end of resolving it, your hand will be all spells. Correct, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's the case in any deck, but in Amulet, you're playing like 31 to, in these Cultivator Colossus builds, probably 33 lands. So it's like that the, the percentage of the time a land from your hand turns into another land and then the next card is like quite high so if you start with two or three lands in your hand you might end up with like seven lands in play off that one trigger um and with the solitude format specifically that's something that uh the titans have had a hard time with because it's like you you play this titan and if your opponent might have a solitude you have to go for the sort of lowest value play of get Teleria west and a crew so that you can set up for the next titan um, but now you have a tool that's like, oh, no, 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 I'm just going to turn all the lands into my hand, in my hand, into, uh, spells, and put five or six into play. Yeah, I, uh, I got absolutely just destroyed by this. Um, I, I was, uh, playing a league, and for the first couple turns, they hadn't really done anything. They had their amulets, you know, I was, like, waiting for the titan to come, waiting for the titan to come, <laughs> and then the cultivator colossus, and I was like... Is this a problem? Nah, this should be okay. Oh my god, no. I am destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, pack your Aether Gusts and your Solitudes. Uh, sorry, Subtleties. Um, because these decks are now playing like three or four Cavern of Souls in the 75. Uh, so, you, you, you're you going to want uh, a different way to get those uh, off the stack. Or just switch to D-Gen Fast Combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just drag race them. And... Uh, and, and, and to be perfectly honest, there, there are 
a, a good percentage of high-performing decks that are, you know, exactly that. Uh, hammer time, you just drag race them, and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. Um, and uh, and then we've got a mixture of some strong tempo decks floating around on the top, you know, Crashing Footfalls and Merc Tide. Um, but this is good technology for them to be able to beat these, like, five-color, four-color value piles, the money piles and four-color ephemerate. Um, Sweet. So yeah, yeah. So 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 jiggy. Go nuts. How was Woo. your how was your breach party in Vegas? Oh yeah. Um. Well, the breach party was. I mean, it was definitely fun and it, you know, it was nice, but it it didn't go so well. <laughs> uh, but the whole Vegas trip was amazing. Uh, just like actually incredible. I went from Topher. I went with Topher from our Discord spitter room and everything. That was a lot of fun. Topher's super cool guy. You know, just had a great time just chilling and talking. I felt very easy to be myself, you know, act a little weird. Uh, not in a bad way, but, you know, just I think I'm in general pretty weird. I think I think cool people are weird, honestly. Like, if you're not weird, you're boring. Uh, so, you know, weird is all sometimes weird, but I think weird is overall good. So that was really nice. Just felt very easy to be myself. Uh, I got in around 8 p.m. Thursday. I took a cab back to our hotel, The Link. I went to bed pretty early. Uh, Topher came in uh, around midnight, I believe. Uh, I woke up early. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of breakfasts, and yes. the one I was in, um, I was in Doomwake's chat, and uh, this is like before Vegas, and uh, someone mentioned, "Oh, you gonna go any to any uh, buffets there?" And Doomwake, so I don't know, and so I looked into him, like, "Oh, like buffet sounds sweet," and I guess Vegas is a whole bunch of all you can eat buffets. Oh yeah. And so I told my fiance this, and she's like, "Yeah, you should go. Like, check out this food blogger. He does reviews." So I checked it out, and the initial plan, like, I was pretty decided. All right, I gotta go to um, uh, the Bacchanal, the buffet at Caesars, which is like looked amazing and incredible. So like, okay, like I'm definitely gonna do this. But then I was also so that was just kind of back in my mind. I was looking for breakfast, and there was a breakfast buffet that I went to that was also amazing. Like. The, it was a bottomless orange juice, and the orange juice was, like, the fresh-squeezed stuff, mm-hmm. which is, like, mind-blowing. They had an omelet bar. They had just, like, I mean, it's, damn. So that, it's, and they had a mimosa option, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I don't Vegas, know. Vegas, they better have. <laughs> I don't know if, like, I, you know, drinking mimosas 6 a.m. is the great way, is a great way to prepare for your 9 a.m. tournament. Uh, but Oh, I mean, it just depends on who you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, some, it's not for me, that's for sure. Uh, but so it was, you know. They also they treat you so well in Vegas. Just like oh, the yeah. service there is, is top notch. It's wild. It makes sense, you know. It's tourism. Like they treat you like royalty. But it was very nice being like every time my orange juice was gone, the person was right over there to fill it up. Like it was just the table service was, you know, wonderful. Once again, all makes sense. So I had my nice big breakfast, feeling really good. Uh, went to the tournament. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a little little unfortunate. Uh, my overall record was two four drop. Um, I. You know, I think mostly just I didn't play perfectly and got punished, and I think got mostly bad matchups. Round one, I faced Burn. I won pretty handily. Burn is a great matchup for Blue Grinding Breach. So you know, starting off one zero, beating Burn, feeling pretty good. Round two had a close loss to Urinos. I took game one. Game two, they just like they had Force of Vigor on turn on their turn two uh, to kill like two of my things. And then they had a force negation, and then they had uh, just triple rhinos, just rhino, rhino, rhinos. So that was that game was a bloodbath. Uh, and then game three was super close. Uh, I think I probably could have won it, uh, but they drew a force of vigor. They also had an endurance during my combo turn, which messed things up. But I think I still could have won it. I was stabilizing, but I made a bad attack with the construct, uh, and they punished me by top decking a fury. Uh, so that was like pretty brutal. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it told me. I think I handled it really well, but. 
uh, you know, it's always 2020 hindsight where, you know, now I'm 1-1, whereas I could have been 2-0. And then my 1-1 also, starting from 1-1, my next round was John Shadow, was John Saga, which is bad matchup in general, you know, just like goifs and fast things. I almost took game two, uh, but game one, they just slaughtered me. I still need to work my sideboard for that too. Uh, I think I'm, I've been taking out the whole combo, like taking out all the combo, just turning to a mid-range grind fest. But what happens is I always get super close. Like we're at parity, then they have Luris, and like I don't have an answer for Luris, and I just lose. So I think I, I, I think in the future I still need to keep some combo in. Uh, round four, I got paired against Burn again. Uh, you know, easy good matchup. That felt good. I was two two, still alive, still feeling pretty good. Uh, round five, I sit down and look at my opponent, and I, <laughs> I've seen this opponent playing Mill in a previous round, uh, so. It's like, all right, this could be bad. I should have mulliganed to breach uh, game one. I don't know why I didn't just kind of brain farted, uh, but it didn't really matter. Uh, they were on the play. They go turn one, land crab. I go turn one, you know, whatever. They go turn two, crab, fetch, mill me, hit breach, and then surgical extraction my breach. No. And it's just like, all right. And then, uh, and then next turn they casted Tasha's hideous laughter, and they took like <coughs> 22 cards, including my oracle. And it's like, all right, you know, like this is not going well. Uh, and then game two, yeah, I, I had a pretty solid hand. Uh, I didn't, I had a fetch though. So they had the Trinzier Archive Trap. They pushed my monkey. And then on turn three and four and five, they went laughter, laughter, laughter. Uh, which is, yeah, it was, it was nasty. Just, I couldn't even be You would ang think that the second one would kill you. <laughs> it's like, you, you don't have to show me the third. It, it was just, it was so Stop, nasty. He's it already was just, dead. He's already well, dead. Well, I mean, well, I brought in, I brought in like my whole, I was, I was playing 74 cards, you know, I was just like, whatever, like this is, <laughs> you know, my, my mill strategy. So that's why they needed three Tasha's to these laughters to get there, uh, which is, you know, like might've been relevant, but it was, I couldn't even be angry. Honestly, it was just such a bloodbath and I had just zero control with just, so I wasn't, I was like, you know, like, haha, good one, magic, good one. Like you got me, you win. Uh, so, you know, that was a little unfortunate, especially be knocked out. You know, you need to go X2 and this is my X3. Uh, but, you know, it happens, and that's fine. Uh, you know, I still wanted to see if I could rally at least X3 still, uh, so I stayed in. And you know, also, it's nice to play, it's nice to be able to play without stakes again, you know? Like, oh, like, you have to win, have to win, have to win when you're X2 on the bubble. But when you're X3, it's like, oh, you know, like, you know, my opponent would probably be more chill too, just relax, take it easy. And yeah, my opponent was super chill. I uh, you know, it was great, it was super cool. I like talking with them like the game, you know, even though he was on Red Black Luris Rock and just, I got slaughtered, you know, like it's... No, no mercy, no chance. Uh, you know, Colgan's Command fucked up Magic Card, uh, and they had three of them. Uh, so I got totally slaughtered, no chance. But my opponent was a fun match. My opponent was super pleasant and everything. Uh, and then after, you know, I was two four, and I read the tea leaves. I'm like, all right, like I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think this is. I don't <laughs> yeah. think. I don't think modern today is in the cards. Uh, so I dropped, uh, and then I just kind of chilled for the rest of the event. You know, cheering on Topher because Topher was still in with Living End and. A whole bunch of Portlanders that I knew from my local game store were there also. So I just went around like cheering people on, which was a lot of fun and, you know, like talking. So that was sweet. Uh, you know, meeting people. I got to meet Doom. I got to meet Farah and Soul. Like meet a whole bunch of people, which was a lot of fun. So Actually, Topher stream, and I went. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to, you know, make a sweet stream appearance. That was fun. Show off my colorful dreadlocks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, afterwards, Topher and I, we went to uh, Benihana's with... Uh, uh, with Farah and Soul, uh, and that was a lot of fun, you know, like, I mean, Benihana's, like, you know, the hibachi place, etc. Fun fact, Benihana's, uh, Steve Aoki's parents founded Benihana's and own it. 
Whoa. So really? like, like the DJ, the uh, yeah, the electronic DJ, which yeah, is yeah, pretty yeah. hilarious. It's a it's a hibachi place. Uh, you know, the food was medium, but like it was just nice meeting you know being with other magic people just like great conversation you know Farah and Soul they're wonderful people you know Farah is just as warm and friendly and wonderful as she's on her stream which is always nice to see uh so that was you know just really wonderful night and everything just even though I got crushed it was still it was just still great just being the whole environment uh and then uh so went back went to sleep uh you know day two it's like okay you know like now we have whole day two free what are we gonna do uh the only thing I knew I had to do was go to a buffet for dinner. That was yes. like number one, like goal, like whatever else happens, happens. Uh, unfortunately, I was going to sign up for some early modern events, but they actually, they, all the side events filled up too. Uh, like they were at maximum capacity. The, the, the side modern events for th Saturday filled up on Friday. Like the registration closed because they all hit queues, like hit max. So once again, there's a lot of demand. People want to play Magic and especially modern. So I think this is, you know, all quite good news. Yeah. Uh, so day two, I got a more basic breakfast. Uh, Topher got back a little later and he decided to do Vegas things with some friends. Uh, so he did not wake up as early as I did uh, for day two. So on day two, so I had a whole bunch of magic cards to sell, which I sold, which was really nice, you know, very liberating. Uh, and yeah, so I was just walking around, you know, cheering people on that made, like, cheering on my friends and people I knew that made day two, catching up with everybody. Um, one of my friends that I, from my LGS, I talked to, uh, to mention, oh, you know, I want to go to Bacchanal. And he said that he tried to go to Bacchanal yesterday and that they're not doing reservations until December because they're all filled. And then the wait line is like an hour and a half and there's no guarantee that they take walk-ins. So it's like, all right, you know, like, ah, this is too hard. It's from, I'm not going to do it. I looked into other buffets, uh, and I found the wind buffet, which looked like it had pretty good reviews and looked good. Uh, so I was like, okay, and then I like checked online and I made, and you could make a reservation. So I made a reservation for, I asked Topher, he said he was down. I made a reservation for 8 p.m. Uh, and then in the meantime, we decided to jump into some two-headed giant, uh, which was a lot, you know, a lot of fun. I'm terrible at limited, Topher is great at limited, so he definitely like carried my sorry ass. Which, you know, I'm, I love being carried off sometimes. It's really nice just, you know, like, I don't know what's happening. Topher's like, we should do this. I'm like, all right, you know, like, I trust you. Uh, we wound up 1-1 before we had to drop uh, to make a reservation just because two at a giant takes so long. It is wild. <laughs> uh, but one of, one of our, it was cool, one of our opponents, uh, they came down from also Texas to Vegas but they didn't come for the main event. They came specifically to play in every single two-headed giant side event, which is twice a day <laughs> for three days. That's so a lot. this is, it's amazing. You know, it's like, it's just so easy to, you know, remember like we're enfranchised modern players. Most people listening to this podcast are probably enfranchised modern players. And, you know, like modern is our bread and butter. We love it. But there's so many different ways to play magic. And like there are people passionate enough to fly down from Texas to Las Vegas for this big event just to play in six two-headed giant side events twice a day like that's i just don't know where else you could get that density of two-headed giants so like yeah yeah, yeah no, like, them. exactly it makes sense if you love two-headed giant like and it's your bread and butter like this is what you want to do so it's it's just always cool to see and you know for me especially being an enfranchised modern player surrounded by enfranchised modern player it's very easy to forget that like we're actually in the minority and there's many ways to play magic and, you know, just like modern is one big one, but it is not even close to the biggest one. And, you know, there are plenty of super passionate people that don't even care for modern at all. Uh, so that, that was just it was really wonderful to see. Once again, opponents, 
uh, were super great. It was also really sweet because we had like a we were in time. It was like it would the last game match two went to time and it was like pretty close and the life totals were big. And Topher realized like oh he's like we do have an out that involves like rebuying this rebuying the scorpion the exploit scorpion that draws cards with my um uh, uh with blood fountain and then casting it. Uh, to target Topher to draw two cards so he can draw the one outer that gives our stuff like all makes them into angels and four fours and stuff and you know that line worked and we got it and we got lethal on, exactly lethal on exactly the last turn wow. but that was like so sick to see and it was just like damn Topher just like how the hell did you do that uh, so that was you know a nice little uh, ending uh, and then so we had to we didn't have time to third one had to make a reservation <laughs> full disclosure you know I paid $70 for this buffet uh, I gotta get my money's worth. I definitely ate an edible. It was not the strongest edible, but it's like decently, decently strong. It's 25 milligrams uh, of THC and a whole bunch, like 100 CBD. So very heavy in CBD. Uh, but you know, like it's, I mean, I'm going to all you can eat buffet in Vegas. I'm not not gonna do this. Uh, also, it's <laughs> it's legal in Oregon. It's also legal in Vegas. So don't at me. Uh, but uh, so you know, also to prepare for this, yeah. <laughs> also for some training, I skipped lunch. Uh, you know, gotta make sure we got room. Uh, man, it was honestly buffet highlight of the highlight of the trip. It was so so good. It was, I got I had five plates in total, uh, three big one, three big dinner plates and two dessert. I actually, I need to, I just need to post. I took pictures of all the plates I had. You know, like every time I made a plate, I took a picture. It's just like I got it because my fiance she's like I gotta see pictures. So like every plate I took a picture, but just you know you walk in and. I saw some papaya salad on the side, and then you know there's a taco bar, and then there's prime rib, and then there's short rib, and then there's like bacon, and just there's pasta, there's ramen bar. It's just the variety is just like ahi tuna salad. It was just it was mind-boggling. You could get like anything you wanted. Just yeah. you know, I was like I had I had this realization like I was sitting there, they had like all these like ahi tuna things that were so good. I'm like these little places ahi tuna. It's like you know like I'm gonna grab one. It's like. You know, I think I want to grab two. And it's like, I'm going to stop at two, but I could grab six of these if I wanted to. And that would be kosher. Yep. I could just like eat six of these little tuna things. Uh, so that was, uh, yeah, so that was great. And so, yeah, I managed to finish three plates. Uh, they also had a dessert bar. Uh, so, you know, I was always room for dessert. Uh, I had two uh, big dessert plates. It was amazing. Like pretty much all the food was like really, really, really good. You know, I mean, just like top notch food and all these varieties. Uh, you know, I was like beyond stuffed. Uh, then if I were to do it again, I think I would only probably do two plates and two dessert plates. I only did three <laughs> plates uh, just because, you know, I wanted to test the waters and see. And he has my first buffet and everything. Uh, yeah, and it was, you know, edible. I don't think I could have done without the edible, not going to lie. It definitely helped me to uh, push past my biological limits. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't have to eat after 18 hours. I, I was just like so stuffed. It was, it was I've never been like that nauseously stuff before but it was it was so worth it and you know having dinner with Topher was very nice a good conversation uh, I definitely ate way more than him a little disappointed that he could only do like two and a half plates something like that a little little weak but that's okay uh you know yeah. we are <laughs> well you didn't have your same superpowers yeah this that's that's fair that's fair uh, and <laughs> superpowers good way to put it uh so yeah I mean it was just it was amazing uh you know the buffet was great the whole Vegas thing was great uh, afterwards, just went back to the hotel, passed out because I had a flight at 6 a.m. to catch. And, you know, it was even though then the whole modern event that I've been training so hard for with my own brew didn't go so well. Uh, Vegas, you know, it was still 15 out of 10. I loved it so much. I had so much fun 
met a lot of people, you know, just like made good memories, like made, you know, like Topher and I became pretty close. Just, it just, you kind of, it's easy to forget that like, especially with all the big terms haven't happened in a while, the magic is truly about the gathering. And to see, you know, like modern main event captured 400 people, there were so many people at the conventions. It was like, why? There's so many people. And yeah, everyone was just happy and very friendly. And, you know, just magic is about the gathering. You know, for me, it's totally about the gathering. And I definitely, for I want to go to more of these tournaments as they pop up because it's a lot of fun. And just, you know, there's a lot of people that are really passionate about magic that like it as much as we do. And to get to meet with, you get to meet them and talk to them is just, it's really warm, very, you know, just a very nice experience. Hell so yeah. 15 out of 10, I uh, would definitely do again. And hopefully I will do again. And uh, tune in next week for our new food blog where we focus on buffets and uh, buffet eating training. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if and when we get uh, anything uh, Magic Fest-like back, uh, Toronto is definitely the, the Canadian place where GPs happen. Hell, yeah. And, uh, I will. Yeah. I I'm going well, we, there. We, we, we can go find some places. We can go to some Chinese dive places. Yes. We can go to, you know, all sorts of, you know, fancier places. Hopefully, you know, by that point, most of the city is back up and running. So uh, Sign me up. I would love to go to Grand Prix Toronto. That'd be so sick. Yeah, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think yeah. the big lesson is that, you know, there's clearly players. There's a high demand among players for these types of events and gatherings. And, you know, if people are willing to go and people are willing to travel, people are willing to pay money to enter, it seems very likely that a company will step up and will start having more of these events because companies are just not very good at, avoid, at you know, not making money. Well, yeah. you know, they shouldn't be. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's event management is a very, very difficult thing to, to do well. So, uh, but luckily there are companies already around uh, that have the experience, that have the personnel to to deploy uh, things like CFB, things like things like SCG in Canada, things like face to face. So uh, you know they're 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 coming, they're waiting, and just like everything else, the wheels of capitalism are ready to uh, grind back into action <laughs> as soon as uh, as soon as they're legally permitted to do so. Um, well said. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's a big machine. I don't know. It's it's definitely big, and it's definitely uh, ready to rock. Um, but uh, yeah, the gathering is always wonderful, and you know, it it is easy to be like, oh, but they're, they're the the tournament organizers. They they should have uh, been able to put together coverage for this, uh, and just just I I agree with the sentiment of anyone who feels like that. But uh, event management is not a industry with huge profit margins i don't think and unfortunately putting that money into coverage is just a tough sell for anyone who isn't wizards uh these are all companies that are sort of middlemen you know cfb writes articles and, and employs people and, and sells the cards but they don't make the cards uh same with scg same with face-to-face -face. so they don't have the same kind of profit margins that uh, wizards of the coast has on this kind of stuff um well so if we and I if we will if we want coverage, the place that's easiest to come from, in theory, is Wizards of the Coast, but they're spending their money on uh, trailers and what, what was that thing? The 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 2022 video, whatever that nonsense was. I didn't even see the that. The what? 
Yeah, I'm now got. Oh, it was it. like a, it was like a couple weeks ago. There was this like immaculately produced thing where they announced all the stuff for the next year. Hey. It's where they announced Neon Kamigawa, Neo Kamigawa, and oh yeah, 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 uh, Double Masters 2022, and um, the new unset. Oh right, all right, that. Right, right. They put it on a, a professional like soundstage in 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 Hollywood. Well, I I also think that it's worth just mentioning because this was the first truly large large event post covid it it may have been in their best interest not to provide coverage in the off chance that like something you know went awry or you know there was just like general confusion you know like you said the event uh, was capped there i don't was know about some, that one some trouble with the organization right like yeah. the it, software it, failed and... it definitely is more logistics that that's for sure there, there is more things to go wrong when you try to do live coverage that's that is 100 percent true well and um, i think that there's I mean, I th- I... a higher downside to getting it wrong because if you have coverage and yeah, something yeah, fucks yeah, up yeah. in your big event then people are less likely to go to the next one whereas this one it's all Everybody word of mouth. It was a great time, you know. I, I, sure, sure. Yeah. There's no, there's no evidence of anything. It's just people's feelings right. on the matter, which were all good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, the... okay, but from from my current perspective, I've been enjoying a lot of uh, found footage horror movies. So, I mean, I just wanted <laughs> to see. I want to see the video footage of the after uh, in oh, you know, twenty years when this is dredged up in a government file as uh, uh. Ground Zero. Oh yeah, guerrilla coverage. Yeah, that's right. Well, we do have we do have gorilla Twitch coverage, so I'm wondering when when the found footage horror movie that's uh, live streaming comes up. Uh, that'll be that'll be uh, some writer's task. You've right just now. invented a new movie genre. It's a uh, it's found footage from Twitch. Yeah, well, it's an offshoot because they they did do that one um, unfriended, and I think they oh. even did a sequel to that where it's like the the people on the video chat. I, I missed all this. I'm, I'm. Uh, That's okay. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, it wasn't worth. It wasn't worth. Uh, it, they they haven't. Um, the the digital versions of found footage stuff haven't had their Blair Witch project yet. Maybe, maybe someday they will. <laughs> uh, and even though Jiggy's uh, Vegas event didn't do that well, I took his exact list and not an unlimited uh, amount of feedback in person from him because he was busy at the time, as he should be much of the time uh two of five oh this week so proud dad uh, well done exactly well and jiggy's list is still very very good rock solid and if you're interested in thoughts and kind of sideboard notes and general feedback on it back and forth uh our discord is totally free to access and we've got an entire channel that has uh basically all his notes pinned at the top of it um general matchup uh uh, thoughts and, and sideboarding advice and etc. So um, if you're into this kind of artifact-based ge- degenerate combo, hit us up because uh, we love it. And there's variations springing up all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned last time, uh, there was another version that was uh, splashing white just in the most recent 5.0 dump um, very, very lightly. Uh, I think the 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 overall feeling on, on the deck is uh, that the blue-red core is super, super, super strong. And so the only things people are doing that seem to be super successful is splashing white for, like, one to three cards in the 75 or green for, like, six or seven cards in the sideboard. Um, yep. 
Although I had a, a more heavy-handed uh, uh, variation that I've tried over the last couple days, which is a total record of 5-5 five, five, uh, that's playing, you know, the full boat of Esper Sentinel, some Ingenious Smith, some Portable Holes. It uh, has more of the artifact mid-range plan. Uh, I really like it. I, I don't know how good it could be. <laughs> I probably should just have Ragavan back in it. Um, but Portable Hole is a super, super useful tool for these decks. Um, I was finding that in the Urza deck, um, a lot of time people would board in things like Stony Silence or Rest in Peace or, you know, all sorts of random nonsense against you. And Portable Hole is actually really good at removing that stuff. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, it looks sick. And you know, had some, you had some good beatdowns, just kind of being a more more focused on, like, the beatdown artifact saga plan first. And then occasionally, oops, I breached. Or, like, oh, you're all tapped out. Now I'm going to breach. It's a, yeah. I do love the concept. And it probably just needs a little bit of tuning, you know, just like... I, you can probably keep the concept, just add a Ragavan back in. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I, I, think, I think Ragavan's just supposed to be in these decks. It's just too good. Uh, and I have to cut the Ingenious Smiths for it. So I'm not going to be happy about it, but I will try it for science. Um, just because Ingenious Smith is not an artifact, and then yep. you have to cut artifacts to include the Ragavans, which gets your Smith count too low. Uh, and if, if, you're, if your artifact count is too much below 24, uh, the mischance on Ingenious Smith becomes a, a little bit unmanageable. Um, which is which is fine. You know, I, I love Ingenious Smith. It's like Tarmogoyf that draws a card, but it does have a uh, serious deck-building constriction that, you know, you have to work around. Um, so those are a lot of fun, and we'll see. And, 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 you know, you can see me going to my roots, like with the creativity decks. Uh, I very quickly started pushing in the direction more of having a better, uh, I don't know, a better mixture of plan A, B, I guess you would say, Jig. Um, mm -hmm. like your controlling plan is good enough it can like actually be your primary plan a lot of the time yep yep um and and with these artifact decks it, it definitely felt like okay now it's like 50 50 combo and yep, yep. and mid-range plan instead of the blue red breach which is way better at comboing than it is at beating down but the beatdown angle still happens it's just like it's usually an accident it's like oh, yeah yeah uh, it just happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, this hand's got two sagas in it. Like, guess we're going to go on constructs today. Sometimes you flip the DRC on to turn two by accident. And you're like, all right, get in there. <laughs> go, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah. It, it's uh, a cool version. I'm excited to see as the little tweaks we make and see what happens. Yeah. And I have been really enjoying all the different uh, Urza variations. Blue-white artifact stuff seems to be really good in the metagame at large. Uh, I, I've played 60 and 80 card uh, versions with Whirr, versions without Whirr, versions with Solitude, and everything around this sort of blue-white artifact core. Um, so, some stuff with Oswald, some stuff with really speculative artifacts, some stuff that's just like Contra Ego's just all the good cards, oh. you know, uh, that's able to Thopper Foundry combo. Uh, da Vinci MTG had a list that he sent me. I think we 4 one and if I hadn't made a mistake in one game, I think it would have been a 5-0. Uh, he definitely expressed it that way. He's like, oh, one misplay, it wasn't a 5-0, but otherwise we would have been fine. So, Have you played these um, decks, Brian? Uh, these seem pretty not. up your alley. Yeah, I haven't. I um, Well, okay, I guess that's not true. I played the blue-white before it really got refined it was still like mm. just kind of a pile of cards it was a little bit more focused on getting the thopter foundry into play and like doing the combo plan 
Um, yeah, yeah. And since then, you know, I, I've been following along as Contra has been refining these, uh, and he's said that the Thopter Sword plan is like sort of the plan B. That's the late game plan if the game drags on, but the primary plan is really just like beat down with Ingenious Smith and constructs and things like that. Um, and so I haven't played that version. Uh, and I also, this was like, I played it back when he was sort of bouncing between 80 card and 60 card and was saying that he didn't like the 80 card, but now it seems like the 80 card is the preferred. So I'll have to give him another revisit. Mm, yeah, yeah, you definitely should. I mean, Zach's been playing a lot, and Zach's been having, like, every time I see, I don't know, I guess it's, I didn't expect Zach to be streaming it so much, but, you know, I check over to Zach's stream, it's like, oh, it's blue-white, blue-white artifact nonsense again, and, like, he's, like, 3-2-ing or 4-1-ing or 5-0-ing, like, pretty consistently. Yeah, it seems like a strong not pile so, of cards. Not so many on the 5-0s, but uh, certainly a lot of 4-1s, like a crazy amount. And every time, every time I look at the deck and I'm like, this is not that good, right? And then I run it back and it's, like, another 4-1, and it's like, Okay, I guess it is. Like something about it is just well positioned. Well, um, I I know it sounds weird, but I actually think that a lot of opponents have a hard time playing against these <laughs> decks because many of the cards are low value on their own, right? Like it's a it's a high synergy deck where having a critical mass of these artifacts and a lot of these artifacts individually are sort of low powered. And I think that really puts a lot of opponents who are unfamiliar with them at in this position where they're not sure what to remove, they're not sure like how to sequence things exactly. Um, they don't know, ex you know, they have a harder time anticipating what you're going to play next or what you might be able to play next. And um, I saw this a lot with Wurza, even even like a year into it, like the deck had been doing incredibly well. It, it was one of the best decks through the Hogak meta and came out of that meta and still had opponents who had just not played against it or didn't mm. really know what it was capable of. And um, I don't know, I, this might just be one of those like confirmation bias things because I was playing the deck at the time. But a lot of times opponents would say things like, oh, I just hate artifact decks. And so <laughs> it's like, okay, but like this is a good deck and you need to learn how to play against it because it's going to keep popping up. And I wonder if there's a little bit of that going around where people just like ignore it because it's something they don't like. And, you know, it's sort of to their detriment. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, on, I think it might have been Dominaria's Judgment or, or another podcast that was talking about the modern metagame in general. Um, they were saying it's like, there are ways to attack this metagame that are really good. I think a Grinding Breach actually is one of those decks. Uh, and same, so is Belcher. Um, but people just don't want to play them. Yep. Like, you know, they just yep. don't like that style of magic. Um, and it was largely absent for a little while. Um, it really got beat up by the banning of Simeon Spirit Guide. All these kind of degenerate spell-based combo decks, or even non-spell-based combo decks a lot of the time, uh, you know, kind of relied on that super fast mana to get under everyone else. And now there's so many free spells um that that can be used to stop you from comboing fast uh that are being played in ludicrous ludicrous amounts yeah. um, I mean, so it's, many it's, so many yeah. stop it stop ban yeah. force of vigor i hate that card yeah it's 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 crazy that like you know you look at um teamer cascade the teamer rhinos deck and living end and you're like oh these decks look really cheap and then you notice like oh wait they have four force negations main deck 
and a whole bunch of like pitch mythic elementals and other things like that in the sideboard and they're just like crazy expensive just because of those cards um which are not like even core to their strategy they just can play them so they do um so it lets them do their you know middlingly unfair thing uh and uh hate really effectively against some of the other unfair decks so um and I, I think the blue-white, you know, artifact decks fall in the same thing of like people don't like them, so they don't want to. They don't want to learn about them. They don't want to try playing them. Yeah. And I also think there, there's like a certain. There's just like people don't have that much time and energy uh, on average to learn about more than like the top ten decks in modern. Yeah. So if yep, you're yep. anything that isn't that, you are like severely off meta, and nobody knows what you're doing. Um, True when that. I'm streaming the number of times I get asked, like, what is this deck doing? And I'm like, this deck has been around forever. Like, you know, what do you, what do you mean, what is this deck doing? This this deck is an old staple. It's like, well... This is Amulet Titan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Amulet's well-known enough now, but, like, there, there are just things that are not even that, that fringe. Like, even, like, Hardened Scales, as we talked oh, about yeah. before. It's like, people just forgot the play patterns. I know I did. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and that's that's without actually ever having understood them that well in the first place. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, why don't we take a little break before uh, you know coming back to talk about taking a little break? Stay with us. Welcome back. So, uh, as I sort of mentioned before the break, uh, we're going to talk about taking a little brewing vacation. Uh, at least I took a little bit of a, a brewing vacation for this uh, past two-week period. Um, I decided I needed some time off from work. I was feeling a little burnt out. And since uh, here in the U.S. we had a two-day holiday coming up anyway, I just uh, decided to commit to it. And I took Monday through Wednesday off as well. Um, nice. I know it was uh, it was pretty sweet. I had daycare coverage Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so I figured I'd just jam a ton of leagues, binge on Magic. Um, my initial goal was to work on some dollhouse brews. I had been playing with some stuff in like blue black, and I had been looking at some of Zach's lists and kind of wanted to refine those. Um, but then Monday morning hit and. You know, I just kind of threw all my plans out the window and decided I was going to do something a little bit different. I decided if I was going to take a vacation, I was going to take a vacation from brewing as well. Um, so instead of nice. uh, instead of working on brews, I loaded up uh, the most recent 5-0 slash high-placing challenge um, affinity list and started jamming leagues. Um, so this is something I like to do on occasion. Uh, I, I do periodically want to play, you know, real decks. Um I spend a lot of time doing some really wacky stuff, which I'm sure anybody who's listened for more than this episode knows. Uh, I'm off in the weeds quite frequently. So it's nice to return to proven deck lists. Um, and I think it's important to learn new decks as a part of brewing. Um, they make you think about magic in different ways, which is ultimately good. It helps you see different lines. Uh, I think that playing magic in different ways is also important. I like to play limited, particularly in paper, when I have the opportunity. Um, but I also think that learning a deck is especially important if you see that it has a history of success and you look at the cards and say, this looks like a trash pile. Uh, this is actually <laughs> how I felt about Wurza the first time I saw it. I saw um, Ellie Cassis playing it on stream and was just like, I don't understand how this deck wins. <laughs> like this, 
it's a bunch of garbage. Uh, and it turns out it is not a bunch of garbage, or it is, but the garbage works. It's Woo. funny that you say that because when Modern Horizons 2 came out and the sort of first Affinity decks were kind of coming out, I remember like a Saturday, Sunday back to back where I would just like noodled around with it in the league and realized that I went 10 0. Oh, wow. um, yep, yep. Two back to back trophies. And I was like, I remember that. Oh. Yeah, this thought monitor car is pretty good, huh? Yeah. I was just I was just like doing it while I was like playing a challenge or something like that, and I just realized like, huh. We it, just bulldozed everyone. It's certainly an interesting deck. Uh but it looks yeah. like a pile yes. of cards to me. You know, it I it, it is a pile of cards. <laughs> it is definitely a pile of cards. I mean I, I could see that there's something vaguely powerful going on. Um and it, it just isn't clear to me how it all comes together. Uh I know that the affinity mechanic itself is busted. I know that drawing cards is really good. Uh, I know that flooding the board with stuff can just get there if the opponent can't interact. Um, Urza and, Saga is very good. Yeah, and in spite of knowing all of these things, the deck list still just doesn't quite click for me. And so I figured that I was going to jam 10 leagues without changing the list at all. I was going to put in my time and like learn this list. Um, where I ultimately got was through five leagues. I'm actually in a sixth league right now, uh, but I think I'm going to call it after this one. Between preparations for Thanksgiving and uh, we started potty training my toddler, that ended up eating up a lot of time. It turns out when you have Winnie the Pooh running around your house, you need to keep a very close eye so as not to end up with a soiled... <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's Sounds the important. strategy that is the uh, that is the potty training strategy uh no pants no diaper keep a little potty nearby and uh just constant vigilance um anyway this is not a podcast about potty training yet so uh back to affinity um yeah so i jammed out these leagues uh and you know i tried to take lessons that i could apply back to my own brewing um, the deck felt very feast or famine to me, and I think that this is both its strength and its weakness. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is what I identified as seeming weak when I, I went in. Like, I think I had identified that it was vulnerable to hate, um, which most decks are, but this really felt like it didn't have the resiliency that a lot of other decks, or at least decks that I tend to prefer, have. Um, some games you barf your entire hand onto the battlefield, the opponent can interact and you just win. Um, but sometimes you've got, you know, a bunch of thought monitors and thought casts and sojourners companions in your hand. And yeah, you have some artifact lands, but you're still not casting any of these cards until turn three or four. And what do you do? Okay, you mulligan, and now you have another hand full of seven drops. And now you're lower on cards, and even though you still have the artifact lands, you've just put yourself down a resource. So I found, like, I ended up mulliganing quite frequently because I couldn't cast anything. But then you end up with this hand of, you know, five cards, you dump your hand, and you are just purely relying on top deck to get there. Um, yep. So, you know, I think that part of this is probably my inability to assess what is a good hand maybe some of these hands where you know you have a bunch of these seven drops were okay keeps and i i shouldn't have mulliganed but yeah it just felt like super hit or miss uh, all of the matches felt like they were on the back of busted openings um or yep. like just lucking out with a, a cranial plating and and being able to get in 
Well, uh, how, how often and did you realize that Sojourner's Companion has artifact land cycling? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, that did because I I I have been really impressed by that when I played the the decks. Um, when I was first playing it, the the deck was an unknown quantity. No, nobody knew that the affinity deck wasn't a joke anymore. Mm-hmm. So they there wasn't a lot of hate. Uh, which was which was nice, uh, but you you just frequently it, it kind of looked like you were playing um, what's that what's that deck called? Not eight whack, but like the even more extreme eight okay. whack with the the land sacking card, yeah, violent uh, eruption or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Devastating summons. Oh, no, sudden something summons. Devastating summons. Yeah. Yeah, like the devastating summons eight whack deck. Like yep, that's yep. that's what you were doing a lot of the time. You're just like on turn three, you're like here's my ten power or more. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't think you can get away with that so much anymore, um, but it does happen occasionally. But uh, the, the the Affinity deck now is like, I feel like a lot of the most powerful draws are when you get to turn like three or four or five and you just like chain Thoughtcast into Thought Monitor yep, yep. and you've got a Saga going and it's just like, it ends up being a lot of angles of attack. Um, cranial plating is very, very dangerous. Cranial plating uh, because you've got so important, I think, for... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I started to realize that the the way it felt like it, I needed to play it was if I couldn't barf my hand on turn one, I needed to hold things up. Unless I was playing against discard, I needed to hold things so that I could barf everything out on a single turn and overload removal. So, you know, like if you play out two or three artifacts on turn one and they remove one and then you try and play another one on turn two and they remove it, you're hurting yourself both on your mana advantage because you have less artifacts for affinity count and you're also reducing your clock right because they're taking a creature off the board um and so i found that i ended up doing a little bit better if i didn't have a busted opening just holding things up until i could go off because then you get some of those chains of thought monitors or thought casts together um hopefully you have that cranial plating and the next turn even if they do remove a creature you can just move the cranial plating around and get in there Yep, so yep. there's definitely, uh, you know, some aspect of experience and understanding your outs that, that comes up. Um, and I'm sure I'm not very good at it. Anybody who plays Affinity regularly is probably sitting here, like, pounding their forehead. Like, what the fuck? You are so dumb. Um, but, you know, I think that this just really illustrated to me something that I already knew about myself, which is I tend to prefer higher consistency and maybe a little bit lower power. Um, you know, there is, mm. there is something to be said for like barfing your entire hand on turn one, casting a thought monitor, drawing a couple cards and then being ready on turn two with like a cranial plating and knowing that you're going to get in there for 12 damage or something like that. Right. Like, uh, I, I think that that's, that's fun, but I would I, I do tend to prefer decks that are just going to be like less explosive start, but you know they're just going to keep chugging, and if you make it to the late game yep. or the mid game, you're going to get there. Um, and How so, funny! It, it's good to it's definitely good to like you know play new decks, learn your style like this. You know to realize like oh you know like these all index they're not quite for me. Yeah, because uh, you know some sometimes they might be for you, and that's a lot of that's fun and that's great. And you know the best part about these all index is if you play them in a big tournament, you get a lot of time between rounds. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know that I would want to play this in a big tournament, but I do feel like there was... 
I think it's worth my time to pursue brewing with some cards that I've actually never cast. Collected Company, Collected Conjuring, wall, wall, wall. Uh, <laughs> I know that card is <laughs> bad. But, um, you know, Collected Company always felt way too random to me. I didn't like it. Watching my opponents cast it, it always felt really bad when they hit their, you know, Spell Queller and their Drog Skull Captain. But also watching my opponent's cast collected company and then completely whiff i was just like yeah that card's terrible why would you ever put that in your deck and mm. you know the answer is because sometimes it just wins if you want to mess with the collected company deck i'd say the best one is probably spikes Jun sacrifice deck oh, yeah. that actually might be really up your alley it's like kind of explosive but it's got good grind and it's fun some cool patterns like a lot of mayhem devil th- trigger so you really get to use that big brain yeah yeah no, that's, uh, that's and, a, a good call. And it's got Ragavan. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good call. I might have to give that one a try. But that was kind of my big takeaway from the Feast or Famine aspect of the deck. And this is where I really, really like the, the blue-white Urza piles. They, they're just they're constructed in a way where they have a lot more middling hands that are fine. Yes. And I think the modern metagame at the moment is very hospitable to that you, you don't need to drag race as hard um and these decks have the right amount of tools to interact as i've said like yeah financially you've both modern horizon sets have been really annoying but i do think that some of the free cheap interaction has been great for the metagame uh, diversity at large and the the ability to feel like you can compete playing a fair deck mm-hmm. and have tools to not get crushed by unfair decks yeah for sure for sure but what if I want to play an unfair deck, and what if I want tools to not be crushed by fair decks, Zach? I, I know, I know. And the thing is, it's like, what you, what you have to accept at a certain point is like, just like there are mid-range decks that are not good enough because they get crushed by Omnath being the best thing mid-range decks can be doing, or like Tarmogoyf, or like... There, there's always going to be the, the best version of a strategy. And if you're not playing the best version of a strategy, maybe you're going to have a tough time. So... You know, but but I think that if you have a good strategy, you can do well enough. You can consistently mm-hmm. see these decks top thirty-twoing, and yeah, okay, you 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 just got to accept that not everything can be on the top. It, it just <laughs> it just it can't be that diverse. But the fact that we have like I would say a consistent group of like sixteen or so decks that like I expect to see in top thirty-twos every week, and then I expect to see some jank like x2 challenges that's awesome yeah that's that's the most diverse modern has ever ever been at a competitive level so grinding breach is competitive and that's the best thing you could ever ask for right it's not top tier competitive but it's competitive with the top tier I wouldn't even want it. If it were top tier competitive, I'd probably stop playing it. Honestly, I'm so right, bad right, like right. That. Because we, we all like to be that person, right? Like, I think I think uh, Indomitable Creativity is top tier competitive, but it doesn't have a huge representation, and maybe that's okay because every time that other people have picked it up in a big way, I've been like, well, my work here is done. I'm going to play something else now. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, exactly. MTG just, hipster at it again. Yeah, for real. I mean, the hilarious thing about creativity, it actually might be one of the strongest decks in the format, but nobody's playing it. It's like really... Right, it, right. 
Like, I've, I watched you play. It's, like, hilarious. You just, like, crush your opponents, you know. Made top eight in Vegas. Like, it was also, like, pretty much undefeated in Vegas day one. It's just, you know, yeah. no. Streamer, streamer F. Paulas, Fran, the Titan Master, he uh, played some creativity a couple days ago. And apparently from his stream, people were like, dude, this guy was, like, losing it about how busted this deck is. Like, what... And like being like, why did no one tell me? It's like I've been telling everyone. I've been telling everyone. I've I've did so much work telling everyone. But anyway, uh, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. Affinity is definitely not quite. Um, it it's more. There's more force of vigors floating around for other stuff. There's yeah. more stony silences floating around for other stuff. Uh, all of a sudden, and. Um, you know, well, you're, you're just going to get hit by that. And I think I think that's actually a really good point. So this is something else that I noticed about the deck. Um, it was playing Signal Pest as a way to amplify the damage on those small creatures. Mm -hmm. And Signal Pest did not feel very good. I've played Signal Pest in the past, and I've really liked it. Modern right now, to me, does not feel, or at least Affinity does not feel like the type of deck that wants to... Um, mm. play an amplifier like that. I think going wide is important for the cranial plating plan because you need to get creatures through. But Signal Pest in particular felt uh, like it was often a target, so it didn't stick around. And I yep. think it would have been better spent on other artifacts, maybe some interaction. Um, I'm not entirely sure what that is. Uh, I honestly was interested in like maybe a single black staff of Waterdeep, something that could turn one of my indestructible lands into a creature to get in with. Yep. Um, it just, I don't know. Modern doesn't feel like, you know, you, you've got Fury, you've got Force of Vigor, you have all these ways to like remove multiple creatures. And like I said before, when you have one of your artifact creatures removed, not only are you having a creature removed, which is, you know, possibly slowing down your clock by a full turn, but you're also having some of your effective mana removed because you can't cast your affinity spells now. And yep. so, you know, yeah, there's some artifact removal out there, but I don't think I want to be quite as vulnerable to things like Fury as I was. Having two or three <laughs> or four creatures removed at the same time was just awful. So, uh, Fury is so nasty. Yeah, Fury is is real nasty. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just not a go wide format right now. You know, I think like suiting up a an Urza's like a construct with a, a shadow spear or um, a cranial plating was just like that was how I felt like I was winning most of my games. Um, there was mm. you know on occasion there was some like games where I would get in with like uh, a couple Memnites and Ornithopters and a signal pest and I would get that chip damage and, and maybe that pushed me over the edge, but by and large, it felt like trying to punch through with one big creature that had evasion or one big creature that had trample was the way to win games. And I, I think that's yep, just yep. generally true in modern right now. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if the creature is able to not get hit by prismatic ending. Yep. Yep. And you know, I thought about this, a lot because I, I was going to make the claim like, oh, modern's a format more about big creatures because they're a little bit less vulnerable or this or that. And I don't think that's exactly it. I think that we're at a place where top decks are so powerful and, um, you know, single threats are so powerful. That's why modern is more about big threats because your opponent's going to answer the first couple things you've done. And and so if, if what you're doing is casting signal pests and memnites and ornithopters, your top decks are bad, right? 
Whereas yep, yep. if you're casting Primeval Titans or um, Cultivator Colossuses or you're making Urza, Con- Urza uh, Saga Constructs or you know, you're putting a cranial plating on something and making one big creature, your top decks are a lot better because it doesn't really matter what you grab. You're going to punch through for 10 or 12 damage you know, on the next opportunity that you get. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's I just think, where we're mm-hmm. at right now. Yeah, a lot of cards, you know, like a lot of the threads, they can just win the game on their own. Like, how exactly. many times have you lost to Ragavan just wrecking you, you know? Like, yep. in Urza Saga, if that goes unanswered, that's, you know, if you have one or two instant artifacts, that's just like two four fours and two five fives and two turns. You know, just like Merc Tider Agent, just boom, 8-8, eight, eight, you know, you're at 16 life. Like, that thing's going to kill you in two turns. Oh, your opponent also has Counterspell up. Like, not great for you. Yep. You know, you have all these just these threats that are just they win the game on their own. That it's a liability to like put fluff in your deck because then you know you want everybody's one for one and you're top decking like nice memnite. How you how's your memnite gonna deal with my uh murktide regent? You know, like it's good not. luck. Actually, no, cranial plating does that. Like yes. that that is the strength of affinity in in my opinion versus some of these other decks is that when you do get to that late game, there, there sometimes still is just enough artifacts floating around it's like any creature i draw is a lethal threat yes which is it's a big deal mm. it's really really like and unlike hammer time uh you can usually sneak in uh, a ginger brute somewhere and that uh, sucker uh. has haste and a form of evasion yep so that specific card is actually really kind of a plus in affinity decks uh, they, they don't always play it but they definitely uh they definitely frequently play it, and it's a great choice. Yeah, it was a one of in the list I was running. Um, yeah, and actually, I think it's it's uh, it's great that you just mentioned cranial plating because that was my big takeaway from uh, sort of this. You know, the signal pest not being good was that for as bad as signal pest felt, cranial plating felt amazing, and I think that maybe mm-hmm. it is underutilized in the meta at large. Um, while affinity may be best suited to make use of it there are so many incidental artifact makers out there now you know we've got stuff like blood fountain and you know some of these new cards that are just producing artifact tokens or um even something like deadly dispute which is going to draw cards and still leave a treasure behind we've got ragavan you know we're playing urza's saga already in a lot of decks it might be time for cranial plating to make its way out of the old, uh, you know, draft chaff box or out of the affinity deck into other decks because much like Arcbound Ravager, having a plating on field that can just suddenly, you know, get attached to something that is unblocked is, it, it just really changes the combat dynamic and you can kind of win out of nowhere. Yeah, when we were, um, uh, when Zach was messing with the blue, red, uh, the white splash breach list with, um, uh, Esper Sentinel and uh, Ingenious Smith, you know, like there are some times where I was thinking like, man, if Zach had access to cranial plating right now, just like this game would be pretty different. Yeah, I, uh, I am definitely interested and intrigued uh, in how I could make more use of the platings. So. All right, so then I'm going to ask Brian. So what do you think are the two most important lessons you learned going on this affinity kick? And then what's your... What's your next plan? What are you What are you gonna do next in the realm of MTG? Oof, um, I don't know what the most important lessons that I would learn are. I think, I, I mean, it's not exactly a lesson, but just like forcing myself to play a more aggressive creature deck, 
Um, I'm just bad at, at aggressive creature decks. I'm bad at creature decks in general, I think. Uh, and so forcing myself to think through it and learn how to play it and get better. You know, I started my first league was 03 drop. I was super frustrated with it. It felt like total <laughs> garbage. Um, but I have consistently 3 2 the rest of the leagues. So that felt pretty good. Nice. Um, there... There are a lot of real nightmare matchups right now when you're going in on these raw. Like, anything that's playing Solitude and or Fury is just going to be awful. Oh, yeah. Um, I got blown out by Fury so many times. Yeah. Right. And and it's, you know, the, the reason Hammer Time's been picking up so much Thoughtseize uh, is to be able to play around that to some extent to to be able to look and say all right do i have to play around fury or solitude or can we just go to game two because they have both <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep um so yeah i you know i think that the big lesson is just it's kind of what i said at the beginning i think just it's important to put yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit it's important to learn new decks mm-hmm. and think about magic in different ways um, I think that the the things that I'm taking from this are that it's worth my time to maybe be a little bit more fast and loose, maybe try some more feast and famine type strategies, sort of break away from wanting to be more consistent all the time. Um, you know, and I think cranial plating is is a card that I want to play with a little bit more. And in the same vein, Thoughtcast actually feels like it might be pretty well positioned. Um, in non-affinity decks. Again, there's a lot of incidental token makers uh, and artifact makers, and Thoughtcast for one mana is uh, a great way to sort of dig through your deck. Um, I've found... I've tried to build artifact decks in the past that want to be too heavily in multiple colors to play War of Invention or to feel comfortable playing War of Invention. And so getting your your thought casts and your thought monitors and being able to dig through your deck that way might be uh, a decent way to find your combo pieces if you can't rely on casting war. Yeah, I mean, some kind of on this, actually. I've been kicking out a list in my head. I'm probably going to start messing with it. You know, now that I can brew again and now that I'm happy <laughs> with how Breach is, you know, it's not... Like, like, like Zach said, it's not top tier but it's competitive with the top tier and you know like that's kind of like all you can ask for and once again i think one of those decks if you play tightly if you get good matchups like for britney shout out to britney mtg uh she is a she streams sometimes but she's just like a wonderful member of the community she played uh the jess guy the white splash breach list uh just for i think an ending and like teferi's in the sideboard but she managed to make day two uh of vegas nice. with it and i think she, overall she might have been 10 four like a pretty Solid result, you know, she's a very excellent player. I talked with her a little bit about it, and she said, like, Teferi was very good for her. Uh, but also, you know, in day one, she did not... Uh, <laughs> she never faced uh, Jund or Red Black, uh, which is, you know, like, if you can avoid those matchups... Dodge, you know, yeah, dodge like, those Red Black X decks, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like, you can... so popular right now. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, but... Uh, yeah, you know, so huge shout-outs to her. But the, the one thing that this kind of reminded me of, I would... Very curious about, like, and I saw Zach just loving, like, man, Urza, Urza and Yorion is, like, such a hilarious, like, mm, it feels so good. Um, I, I haven't done that when in a while. When you have enough chaff in play, you just Urza into Uriah, get two things, float, like, eight mana, you still have, like, five things that tapped in it. Oh, my God, it's such a high. So, but I want to, you know, like, blue-black, uh, Urza, uh, Asmo, Thopter Sword, I think, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. even yeah, Yorion okay. sounds pretty interesting. 
you get Blood Fountain, which is a good yep. blink target now. Uh, you know, like you get some wars, you get, and even, you know, like, obviously this might get cut, but I would even consider running Lazav, uh, just because, you know, blue and black in those colors, Lazav copying Emery, Lazav, Lazav copying copy, uh, Asmo is yeah. like really sweet. It's yeah. free if you copy Asmo. Uh, you know, like Lazav copying Urza, especially when you mill one. Uh, so, you know, so this is this is something back in my mind. I still need to do time this out, save. but I have... I don't think I'd go that far. You can, you can time <laughs> save. You know, we, we've already, we're already playing... You know, like, you know, we're all playing some bad cards. Let's not go... Let's minimize the bad cards, and then we'll add more bad cards. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. But yeah. so th this is on my mind, and probably the next thing I'm going to mess with, because, you know, just... Man, Urza into Yorion, such a drug. I miss that, especially like in the Temur, uh, like in Temur game objects where you know, just like you have a Lonus and a Manufactor and like an Urza, and then you grab Yorion, you cast Yorion, you flicker like the Manufacturer and the Lonus and the Urza, you get a and the Goose, you get a billion triggers, and just man, that is that is the high right there. So I want to chase that a little bit. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I'm always in on Urza nonsense, so you know. I, I think it is my fourth or fifth highest viewed video of all time on my YouTube channel is uh, Teamer uh, Academy Manufacturer. Oh, after, yeah. After MH2 dropped. And we, we didn't even really have the uh, Asmo Cookbook Oval Chase Daredevil technology yet. So there's there's a lot of stuff you can do with this, and it can be very, very powerful. I Yeah, yeah so that, that'll be fun. That, that's my next project I'm announcing. I, I still... I'm so hopeful for like some sort of red black asmo food nonsense with uh, goblin engineer. I um I played uh I play bad dex's uh legacy welder. It's like a mono red uh welder deck. It's got the the four goblin welder, four uh goblin engineer, asmo cookbook, tangle wire, smokestack. Oh damn. It was so incredibly fun i played it at a, a legacy 1k uh two weeks ago and man that's like everything i want to be doing in modern it was just so sweet and i want there to be a modern variant but trash for treasure is just so much worse than goblin welder and like <laughs> uh, not close not even you want, close want to hear something that i think will make you a little sad is blood you know i think eighth edition they did a lot of you know you get to vote to put the cards in not knowing what the repercussions would be and the vote was for blood it was blood moon versus static orb and blood moon won the vote but like in Ugh. an alternative universe we would have static orb in the format instead of blood moon i you know that might be better might be worse i don't know i i mean this static orb intrigues me because it's one of those artifacts that you can tap with Urza during the opponent's end step yeah. and break the symmetry. Uh, well, I'm happy to uh, brew up some Urza nonsense with you, and uh, yeah. For for those who don't know, static orb is a three mana artifact. Oh, good call. <laughs> if, if static orb is untapped, players can't untap more than two permanents during their untap step. Uh, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty powerful. If you've ever um, ultimated a Dovin Bon, you know how powerful this mm. is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for anybody who's yeah. actually ever done that, which might be, what, maybe one person worldwide ever? Yeah. Nobody plays I that didn't, I didn't even know he had an ultimate. 
Yeah, no, it's the, yeah, uh, right? it's the four mana one from what was it, Aether Revolt? Oh yeah. Oh Damn. yeah, yeah. I've ultimately there was a um there was a a a masterpiece version in one of the Kaladesh sets, and it's originally from Tempest. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, from Tempest. Reprinted in seventh well, edition, but not eighth. Rip. And it doesn't on the original printing does not have the text uh, if it's untapped. So this yep. was still the era where tapped artifacts turned off. Man. And Snaring Bridge used to work like that too. Is wild to think about. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same set. Literally the same set. I really miss, uh, or what I want in modern more than uh, Static Orb is Tangle Wire. Tangle Wire is no, just... <laughs> no, it, it's not. No, no, no. What we'll get is we'll get a new Tangle Wire with um, vanishing instead of fading. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. It's basically the same thing. It just reads cleaner. Yeah, I would be okay with that, but then I don't know yeah, what that would like do to a, legacy. I mean, Tangle uh, Wire just not leave, much. The gameplay is not great as the issue. I mean, sure, I love to do it in cube, but like I, I wouldn't want my modern format built around it. That seems not great. Oh, uh, well, it's 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 a three mana artifact. You can't cheat it into play that quickly in modern. So yeah. I, I don't think it would be a big deal. Plus, plus, let's let's not forget. There's still Force of Vigor. I, and Force Negation. Yeah, that's fair. I, I got blown out by those. Uh, oh, Pernicious Deed got me real good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, print Pernicious Deed into Modern, you cowards. It was a straight-up board wipe. Everything. I had Artifact Lands. Yeah. I had, yeah, yeah just gone. Yeah. Everything gone. Yeah. You don't want it? Yeah. it it's going to ruin Saga, Zach. I know. I'm okay with that. Like it, it, It's just one of those cards. It's like Force Spike. I just think it should be in the format. I agree with Force Spike. You have yeah. Force Spike. We have Force Spike at home. It's called Mana Tide. No! No! <laughs> it's just like Counterspell. Counterspell was supposed to be in Modern. They should, like, it's just, it's just supposed to be in Modern. Yeah. Modern, modern is, like, the, the most widely played format. Counterspell's not even played that much in Legacy. Like, they just play five mana Force of Wills and Days. Yeah. So, you know, anyway. <laughs> so, Zach, uh, you did not, uh, take a break from brewing or you uh you at least had some brew on the brain what uh, what do you got here looks like you got a fun little number yeah uh so just just to have some kind of fresh deck to talk about here uh cape dan uh on the last episode of faithless brewing was talking about this uh, kinnon hullbreaker combo deck and he imagined it for pioneer which is uh it's one of those things that you, if you're not, if you don't remember the Pioneer format very well, that's 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 okay. It's not your fault. Um, but uh, <laughs> Box Amber and uh, Emery are both legal in in Pioneer, and somehow so springly from. Um, yeah, so, so I just I want to mention real briefly that uh, David Robertson from Bathless Brewing had a wonderful article in Pioneer, like talking about the staples and you know like why your deck, pro- why your pet card's probably not doing it. But I do wonder, I think that, like, the Kinnon Drum Mox Amber engine is, like, strong enough and ramp enough to, you know, I think it could actually be very powerful if I haven't put any time into Pioneer figuring it out. But I do, I wouldn't be surprised if it could actually kind of, like, keep up with these decks because, you know, four mana on turn two is, like, that strong. Yeah. And, like, you have, like, okay tools. You have Metallic Rebuke. Um there have been a number of things through uh different standards like dominaria standard right at the end had a mono blue storm deck quote-unquote storm deck that was using aetherflux reservoir mm-hmm. to kill people and i'm not saying and, and it was i think it was playing paradoxical outcome uh and paradoxical. i'm not saying that that 
that in specific can be done, but something like it, you know, it's not impossible. Uh, and Pioneer also has the hate for it. it this, this deck's sideboard is playing a Damping Sphere, right? So uh, there's there's a lot more stuff possible in Pioneer than, than we're seeing. Uh, that's just a fact. Yeah. Be- because not enough people are brewing in it. Well, and, yep, yep. you know, for good reasons. But but anyway, so this deck is uh, using Emery and Mox Amber and Springleaf Drum uh, alongside uh, Ornithopter and, of course, Hullbreaker Horror. And the idea here is if you have a Hullbreaker Horror in play, one of its triggers is whenever you cast a spell, you can return target permanent uh, from the battlefield to its owner's hand. Uh, one of the things you could bounce is a Mox Amber. And if you could tap that Mox Amber and then play it again, you can bounce something else, and then you've netted one mana, especially if the other thing was free. So there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can end up making infinite mana here. Um, then you can have the card Oath of Nyssa, which is effectively a draw spell for permanence, um, which is itself a permanent that you could bounce. So you can make infinite mana and then have infinite draws and then play anything in your deck. Uh, in this case, the win condition is one Jace Wielder of Mysteries, um, but my thought was, you know, if we move this into modern, we can we could do other stuff. Um, we don't have to play cards like Prosperous Innkeeper. Uh, we don't have to play cards like uh, Lanoir Elves or Elvish Mystic. We could, but I think we could play better artifacty stuff. Um, so I have a version here, and of course my brain went to one of our uh, wonderful love children, uh, Ereo, which is, for the reminder, it's the one in a blue... Murf, uh, no, Moonfolk Legend. Sorry, not Merfolk. Moonfolk Legend. Uh, and if you play four spells in a... Or if a fourth spell is played in a turn and Areo is in play, it will flip into Areo's Essence, an enchantment that counters the first spell played by your opponent each turn. We love you, Areo. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I am fascinated by this card, and it's like almost okay-ishness for modern. Um it's it's like this really crazy fringe strategy that has occasionally been kind of okay. Um, and then I, I put in uh, the, the classic combo piece, Repeal, into this deck. Um, you've got a Psy Master Thopterist, so you could go uh, for infinite uh, Thopters. We could play one copy of Nexus of Fate if we wanted to. Uh, although you can't draw that with Oath of Nyssa, but I'm sure we could find a way to just like you know get the deck down to exactly one card and then draw it. Uh, well, size gonna with a draw. Repeal. Um, yeah, yeah. Once you have your your mana, yeah. like your your bounce and stuff, you're making thopters. You'd be able to draw with Psy. Right, right, right exactly. Um, so there's there's definitely a few other things. This currently this deck is uh, just missing four slots. And Jiggy said, oh, just put it for Urza Saga, get the land count up, and, and use Urza Saga so that you have that kind of mid range plan, and then uh, adjust the rest of it for a small Saga package, which makes total sense. Um, I don't know if this one needs a dollhouse of horrors, but like definitely like some kind of blue green crazy artifact nonsense here. Uh, whether or not we find a way to play Urza, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, doll, I dollhouse might intrigued. be too much for this list, but I do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it looks it looks interesting. You know, I'm I'm a sucker for Kinnan. Kinnan is also nice with Saga because you know, like Saga's killing your lands and is very expensive. But Kinnan produces so much mana, you can actually like not lose tempo while making constructs and still developing your board. Right, like this is a really great four X Springleaf Drum deck, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I was also seeing and actually Gilded Goose too. It can even go down on Hullbreaker Horrors maybe and play things like uh, Thought Monitor, and uh, it's interesting because the Hullbreaker Horror is such an important combo piece, but it's like these clunky seven drop. I wonder if there's a better way to find it later in the game. 
Yeah, I mean, I think probably good to start with four and see what happens if it's, it's the key combo piece. Like, you know, first league, I would play four and then see, right. okay, like, how often did I have way too many of them? And, you know, maybe the answer is sure, sure. somehow Hellbreak Horror is the best card in the deck and I was able to cast it and flip into it all the time. But you never know. Well, Kinnon's a messed up card. I was, I was going to say, this is, I believe, in my opinion, I have been firmly against the activation of Kinnon Botter Prodigy's abilities, but... This is, in my opinion, the best Kin and Bot Bonner Prodigy activation deck I've ever seen, by far. Yeah. By far. Yeah, it turns out a uh, Hallbreaker Horror is pretty good hit. Pretty good non-human. Yeah. Pretty good non-human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested and intrigued. I'll definitely be messing with this too. You know, I'm probably gonna put down Breach for a little bit. I'm very, I'm content, and you know, I know it's still a good deck, and like I've done a lot with it, and I'll probably still play it in paper on Mondays when I can go. And those sorts of things, and you know, maybe I'll play in the, the occasional challenge here and there. But I wanna, I wanna put it down, and at least until there's another big event, and I wanna, I wanna put my brewing and my iterating cap on again because I've got some ideas. You know, also I've been messing with my own Arayo stuff, like Arayo Mentor with Saga and um, uh, the Otherworldly Gaze has been like a pretty interesting, pretty intriguing add to that deck. Uh, you know, like I still need some tuning, and I'll I'll share the list uh, in the show notes. Uh, but it's not even remotely close to being tuned. Uh, but it is fun and interesting. And you know, I'm a sucker for Mentor and Arayo. and Kinnon. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, again, I just wanted to have a a, a brew on deck for this week that people might be interested in. Um, I'll definitely play it at some point in the next two weeks uh, on on the stream. Sweet. Uh, maybe Oath of Nyssa isn't even the right way to go for that slot. Who knows? Um, well, yeah, I think if you're playing something, like if you do fit the Thought Monitors in, the Thought Monitors are probably uh, better than the Oath of Nyssa because you're just going to be drawing two cards. and Yeah. I mean, I'd be- yeah, 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 right. Thought Martyr seems kind of hard, though. It's not like we have so many artifacts. Like, what? There's Well, like... maybe we can have so many artifacts, though. Yeah. Like, there's there's no reason this deck has to be built as is. It doesn't have to be an Arayo deck, right? Yeah, like, yeah. That's not a requirement. Um, I just felt like, you know, when I see Mox Amber, Springleaf Drum, Ornithopter, Kinnon, like, already in the deck, it's like, okay, <laughs> this, this, it's pretty easy to add Repeal and, and Arayo, and you're, and you're there, right? Yeah. Like... I'm... Repeal is also created against Saga Tokens. It's so good against Saga Tokens. Right. It's good against Hammer Time. Um, just generally speaking, you can bounce Hammers. You can bounce uh, the creatures that the Hammers are equipped to. You can bounce the Garda's Aid. So, like, uh, it's, it's just, like, surprisingly flexible and and well-balanced well in the metagame. Because it's just, like, there's a lot of cheap stuff running around. And drawing a card for tempoing the back is, is great. Yeah, I dig it. Sweet list. We'll definitely, you know, I still have a nice big fat padding of tickets from all my success with Breach. So, you know, you for go. sure Prep- we're going to start for, burning into the for reserves. The GP Hell yeah. Might have been as valuable as actually going to the GP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. more so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I have like. I don't know. I have a crazy amount of tickets and play points right now, and it's I've you, never. You had like six or seven trophies last season, almost exclusively on Grinding Breach, right? Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, like I. Yeah, it just it's wild. Just been doing very well and you know, it's a good <laughs> it'll it's gonna be a lot of burnt tickets, let me tell you, so it's good to have this padding. Yeah, man. Sweet. Well, I'm excited. Uh I'm feeling reinvigorated for brewing after uh taking my Woo! little affinity vacation. And I will nice, be nice. Me too, me too. happy to get away from the feast or famine nature of hoping that my uh my opening hand is good enough to get there. So, uh, <laughs> mm, I mean, these are like the blue green Arayo deck might be a little bit of a feast or famine, too. 
Yeah, that's that's. Oh, funny. definitely. Yeah. yeah. But blue black, Urza food, Demir stuff. Maybe that's Kosh. Yeah, grindy, grindy, grindy. And I have plenty of ideas uh, of my own to pursue here. Uh, like I said, I'm still really interested in a, a red-black food-type deck. Maybe that ends up being uh, Grixis. Um, and I got all sorts of other stuff. I'm, I'm particularly interested in the new Rem Carlos. Uh, it's the three-mana. It's a one-red-white for a... Uh, think it's a two three haste flying human knight and um creatures you control can't take non-combat damage uh so any sort of spells are not going to to damage them um i don't know i have some uh some fun ideas with that maybe they're not good enough maybe it's just worse prowess or worst worst burn but uh you know something to play with yeah you never know until you try exactly we didn't know with Kinnon until we tried Oh man, that that teamer Kinnon deck was something special. What a what a crazy flash in the pan! Uh, just let unban give us Uro for like a week and then ban it again. But let's just see. I mean, there's solitudes now. Like, there's some fucked up shit happening. Well, also, that was also an astrolabe deck, so. Uh, yeah, but still, I mean, I bet I bet Uro would be more than enough to revive some things. I agree, unban. Well, astrolabe. yes, but I think I think the scarier things would be the ones that aren't our nonsense. Yeah, but, you know, the bright side, if you run Uro, you can't run Luris, and that's a decision you have to make. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of the Omnath piles that uh, I think they would happily make that decision. <laughs> yeah. All we'll right. see. Well, uh, Zach. Dot, dot, dot. We may not be live in Fabulous Las Vegas, but ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... It's time for Bubs and Dubs, baby! Uh, I've got an especially huge one that I'm going to end us with. So why don't you take the take the lead on this one? All right. I'll go for it. I love this section. Uh, big bumps to the gathering and meeting new friends. You know, Vegas was so much fun. Getting to know Topher better was a lot of fun. Meeting... Farah and Soul and Doom and you know like everybody like a lot of streamers got to meet Squat Chief who's a very funny guy he's uh, no Squat Chief is very funny I'll leave it at that uh, I'm a big fan of him uh, but he's definitely a huge troll uh, and just you know wonderful seeing everybody just being in a place like Vegas with a whole bunch of people who also love magic uh, bumps to Thanksgiving and seeing old friends Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays it's a little awkward it's the middle of the week but you know just like get as many friends and family as you can and just like get them together and have a huge meal like, what, what could actually be better? Like I said, I got to go to my uh, PhD advisor's place and, you know, see her, see just, like, a whole bunch of people from, like, from graduate school, which was a lot of fun and really nice. Uh, bumps to cranberries. Uh, I love cranberries. Uh, also bumps to curd. You know, you can make cranberry curd, which I did. It was delicious. And now I realize you can make curd out of any fruit you want. So I'm going to go on a curd craze. Uh, but then I do have some... Yeah, yeah? I, I just want to ask, do you know about cranberry bogs so for anybody who's unfamiliar you see the like ocean spray commercials and they show these people standing like in water uh and the cranberries are floating on top of the water they're not grown in that water they're they're grown elsewhere and then the bog is flooded so that the cranberries float 
Uh, and I was talking to my lovely wife the other day about this. You know, I forget how it came up. And she was saying that she was watching something where they were interviewing people to work in these cranberry bogs. And one of the primary questions is, are you afraid of spiders? And they said, you can't lie here because we will know if you lie. When they go to flood the bog, you standing in the bog are one of the highest points. So all of the spiders will start to crawl up your body and you have to be okay with spiders while working in the cranberry bog. This sounds horrific. That's exciting. And I want to give a big bumps real quick to anybody who works in the cranberry bog to provide me with my cranberries because fuck spiders. That's sick. I didn't know. I mean, I could do it by bed. I'd probably be freaked out at first, but I think I'm pretty good at just like ignoring my brain if I have to. I More power to you. I have no ill will towards spiders. I think they're wonderful creatures that provide a very necessary function for us, but I don't want them on my body. Fair, fair. And then, so just dumps to reactionary travel bans based on fear rather than logic. You know, just like banning travel from South Africa. It's not going to do anything. You know, like this is... it's. The most likely case that the Omicron variant is already everywhere, so we need to start taking precautions now. Uh, so, you know, that the travel ban is, I think, pretty ridiculous. not going to solve any problems, but we live in a reactionary society, uh, so that's just how life works sometimes. Yep. Uh, I'm going to just follow up with a quick bumps to uh, feasting. Thanksgiving was good. My turkey was a little overcooked, but like you said, good company, good food. Uh, I'm always happy to eat, so, you know, there's that. Uh, and a big dumps to potty training, I guess. I'm sure it'll be a big bumps once it's over, but at least in the meantime, <laughs> my carpet and, uh, you know, uh, the number of times I've had to do laundry due to soiled pants uh, is, uh, is a big uh, frown from me. Oof. Yeah, it is what it is. Got to teach the little humans how to be little humans, so... Why can't they just come that way already, Brian? Well, it turns out we may have actually done some more damage than we thought. You know, in some cultures, they actually don't put um, diapers on children. And I think potty training is a lot easier. Uh, you know, I, I think when you're raised wearing this thing, that's like, you know, it's like this nice tight underwear that you can just like freely go to the bathroom when you feel the need <laughs> and so like i'm sure it's somewhat comforting to have this on right like imagine you're you're constantly being hugged by your clothing and then suddenly you have this thing removed and on top of that whenever you feel the urge to go to the bathroom you're suddenly uncomfortable because you're wet or you know otherwise soiled so uh you know i think that yeah, that's definitely got to be a big adjustment right yeah yeah you know and that was kind of like this morning i was like all right it's time to take your diaper off because he wears a diaper to sleep in still and uh he was right. just like i don't want to pee in my pants and i was like so don't just use the potty dude but like we had so many accidents in the pants yesterday that i think that was just like i don't want to deal with this anymore i, I feel like this uh. is one of those parenting moments which is like a, a moment for like i don't know high school teachers especially where it's like you know, why do we teach them the wrong thing first? Yep. yep. Why, why do we do... And, like, obviously there's a good reason why in many of these cases, but it's, like, it just it just makes... Un, you know what's way harder than learning? Unlearning. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I think it's... Uh, I've seen, like, videos of little Korean toddlers, I think it was, and their pants actually just have, like, a split in the middle. So they can just, like, straight up sit down on a little potty or whatever and, like, go through huh. their pants. Um, so it's Neat. a little awkward because you got these kids running around with their bums hanging out, but, uh, their bums hanging out. Yeah. 
it seems well kids kids running around naked is just like a thing that happens yeah, like totally. yeah you know, totally yeah but i think it might be a little beaches pools you know backyards it's like eh, it's, it's just it's just okay it's okay people yep. you know yeah. yep anyway bring it home for a sec well in the middle of your opining about your experiences with affinity um I was uh, checking on one or two things, decided to check on my uh, Twitch partner status application. <gasps> the button was there for me to reapply. So I was like, oh, okay, the button's for there for me to re- reapply. So let me let me just see if it's ready, and then I'll write my application again afterwards. Uh, and I said, oh, no, no, no uh, you know, it takes up to two weeks. Check your, check your email, you know. And I had checked my email uh, at about the two-week mark after my application, so... Um, I was like, oh, okay, I guess they passed me this time. We'll just go again. It's apparently very common for, for people who applied for Twitch Partner not to make it the first time. Uh, but I thought, you know, I'll check my email and I'll check my spam. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I now have a screenshot of my Woo! Twitch Partner acceptance email. Awesome. Congrats, congrats. Yeah. That's exciting. Which is... Which is a big deal, so uh, I could screen share it with you guys, or it's going to be in a tweet that I'm ready to fire off in a second. Uh, yeah. you got, the Serum Visions podcast is tagged. Um, so just the biggest bump in the world to, oh, God. You know, I'm going to miss so many people, but, like, like Cave Dan was my first ever sub, I'm pretty sure. Um, and is just one of the most supportive people in the entire community. Hell, yeah. Like, just, just kind-hearted and supportive and... You know, uh, always encourages crazy ideas, even when he doesn't understand them. Uh, you guys for, you know, uh, wanting to start this podcast. And Brian always does so much of the the um, logistical side of this podcast. For real. Brian he, MVP. Yeah, he, he really is. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Uh, and Jiggy, of course, for your big, beautiful brewing brain. I mean, you're just such a wonderful person to, to uh, you know, talk about crazy ideas with. Um Oh, and, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Get a I little more competitive be. with. And, um, you know, you put me in my place when I'm being a bit of a tool, and that's good, too. It's very <laughs> important to have friends like that. I mean it. I do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean we, like, we all need it. You know, like, I, yeah. you know, as a friend, and I respect you a lot, I like you a lot, you know, I got to be straight with you. Yeah. No, and, and it's like, I mean, it's one of the best things a friend can do is, like, tell you when you're out of line, right? Is just be like, hey, you know, I think if you, I think if you weren't you and you heard you saying these things, you'd probably not. It's <laughs> um, a good way to put it. And uh, yeah, uh, obviously, uh, some of the guests we've had over time have become great friends, like Mordekaiser, some of my longtime uh, Twitch, you know, followers, and, and 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 people like Larynx Punchworthy, who made my little community so good. My my best friend Roy, who's always there, being like the best mod through you know the many many months of all that uh you know all the people i've met through faithless brewing and and all the other streamers i mean uh i just did an event on my i say event it was like on, on my stream i got to stream out playing mario party superstars with tunneling cat and uh the pen sword and mord and that was a wonderful time just last week uh they're all wonderful members of the community I, i'm just gonna stop now you know, and if you if if I didn't manage to mention you, it's only because I, I think I could keep going and put fifty or a hundred names and still feel like I was missing people. So, uh, yeah, thank Woo! thank you everyone Exciting. who inspires me and who was there little, and little who continues to be there. 
Uh, I mean, I am. I, I've got tears on my face literally right now. You, you can't really see it in the camera, but I, they're there. I can. I can see. Um, I can see. Oh, good. You're, good. You're Glad I have high def for this. You're glistening. <laughs> you know, it's and I, I was able to uh, restrain sharing this information until this this moment. Um, yeah, although I did message Mord Mord privately because I feel like he's like the number one guy to be uh, super super happy with this. So. Well, I, I can't have dumps about anything now, even though uh, I think before I aired my grievances uh, about uh, about policy, policy poo-poos, um, policy doo-doo heads, as we may call them. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's the best possible note to end this on. Hell yeah. Well, a big, big uh, yeah. bumps. Long today. road. And uh, congrats. Yeah, man. It's well-deserved, well-earned. Yeah, huge. Yeah, well, I will do some deserved. kind of partner celebration event soon. Hell yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. I'll come and, up with uh, a terrible deck for you to play. How about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, at least at least one. Come on. We we got to do we got to do we'll play probably play some like Iceberg or Four Color Saga cuz that's like one of the best like one of my early favorite Hell decks. Yeah. Uh and some creativity and maybe some Urza decks and, and we'll, we'll just we'll just We'll just try to do it big. I got a whole bunch of emote slots and animated emotes now to uh, yes. get put together. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, so uh, keep your eyes out for, I don't know, a drooling Homer and uh, all sorts of other wonderful stuff. Awesome. Love it. Love Sweet. It. Yeah. Wonderful news. Yeah. Excitement, man. I'm so excited for it. Awesome. Well, all right, everybody. I guess uh, this brings it to a close. Have a good week, everybody. Yeah, good luck with everything. Uh, just, you know, once again, take some, take a little extra precautions and keep your eye on the news revol around the Omicron. And especially try not to, you know, panic. Don't jump to conclusions too fast. But keep an eye out. And you want to, this is a good time to stay informed and to be very careful about being informed because this is also when a whole bunch of misinformation can come about. Uh, but, you know, all we can kind of do is just stay informed and hope for the best and do our part. <laughs> On a brighter note, take care, everybody. All right. Catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to episode 31 of the Serum Visions podcast. If you like what we do and you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at twitter.com slash serumvisionsmtg. Email us at serumvisionspod at gmail.com or join us on Discord from the link in the episode description of your podcast player or at serumvisions.podbean.com. second clap and too slow on my third <laughs> damn it come on brian one day you'll get it haven't you had I'll like enough it. time i've had a lot of time you know this is a recurring problem of mine